Podcast Network. You know, you got this fantasy in your head about getting out of the life and setting that other world on its ear. What the fuck are you gonna do except hustle? Besides pimping. And you really ain't got the stomach for that. Now, man, I ain't putting you down. If it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't be here. I'd be OD'd someplace. I'm just trying to make it real, baby, like it is. I mean, maybe this is what you supposed to do. Maybe this is what you've grown to. I mean, just think about it. Don't throw it out. Just, just think about it. You know what? I'm thinking about 30 keys. Well, yeah, let's get this shit on the road and cut it. Welcome back to Exploited Cinema, episode 44, the Black Exploitation episode. And I'm feeling funky. <laughs> it was your, yeah, it was your pick. You said we need to do this finally, because uh, you, well, me and J Dog had talked about this, right? And I think you, as a listener, what, you were always waiting for it, but it never came. Yeah, pretty much. You, you guys had mentioned that you were going to do one at some point, but just never came up, I guess. Well, I had one's plan. We had there was one that we had planned like when we first started the show, which was um, uh, Boss Nigger, Nigger Charlie. Uh, was it um, the first Nigger Charlie and Soul and Nigger Charlie? It was it was uh, some deep cuts that <laughs> some Fred Williamson like really hardcore. I don't know it, it, shit that I think. With the titles for at least for the Nigger Charlie movies, uh, I think they Paramount wanted them to disappear. So that was always one we wanted to do, and I don't know, maybe maybe down the road could still bust that one out. So that's more of a black exploitation western. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think now that we got the ball rolling, they can expect some more uh, black exploitation coming up in the not too distant future. Yeah, you gotta spread it out and shit. Like, uh, there's there's a lot of good movies that we can cover. 
Well, uh, yeah, man. I mean, like, I mean, Fred Williamson alone, I mean, he just, I mean, that's my man when it comes to black exploitation. But with this episode, we're going to be talking about another cool cat that, that, uh, was heavy in the genre a bit. And that was, uh, Ron O'Neill. Uh, and what, what are we going to be covering, Dale? He's super bad. He's super fly from 1972. Selling cocaine. He's the pusher man. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess he uh, inspired Snoop Dogg's whole like uh, look. I guess or I could see that Snoop Dogg just kind of ripped it off. I guess I don't know. I think Ron O'Neill's way cooler. So, just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, did you get to see this feature at what? What do you got? Do you have a copy? Or did you get it off Netflix or how did? Uh, I looked, I mean, I got the film, plus I, I looked up on YouTube, there's there's some uh, some extras on there, some interviews and with uh, an O'Neill and... They had those, uh, did they have that one where they went to the guy that made the car and shit? Did you see that feature uh I don't know, I didn't see that one. That's, you know, that's on the DVD and shit, I guess, and um, yeah, that one's pretty cool, like, he's still custom making those... The, those same kind of cars with that gr- with the grill and shit. That like, grill is sick, man. <laughs> I love it. You like get that at? And I remember um in Black Dynamite, I think Black Dynamite had um had a car like that, like with the same kind of grill. So I'm guessing. I think I seen another some other um newer films where they had that throwback style going. It's probably straight from this guy that's doing custom work because that's the, I guess those are his designs. So. Yeah, the, 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 those lenses over the fucking headlights. And that souped, souped up Cadillac Eldorado. Eldorado, it's the fucking dope, dude. I, I love it. Like, you Apparently know the guy whose car they borrowed, it was an actual real life pimp. Yeah, but, but who, that, the, the one that actually designed that car actually, like, they found the guy. And right. And he's still in the shop, so. I don't know about the pimp. But yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, the guy who owned the car was a pimp. I think, well, a lot of it, the stuff on the car was his ideas, I believe. He, you know, he went to that guy. But um, when they told him he wanted to use it in the movie, he said, this is a quote, you lying, no niggas are making no movies. <laughs> oh, he, he probably thought they wanted to fucking jack his ride. Or something, they thought they was messing with him. His car got featured throughout the film. What was so? Was he in any of the scenes? Any of like the? Yes, he is. When he's in the club, um, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he's like the pimp dude in the club. He's the one dude with all the ladies. Probably. Okay, that's fucking awesome, dude. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, I always thought I don't want to get, I don't want to to blow our load. I always thought with that film, um. That in that in those club scenes and stuff, a lot of those people were like real cats off the street. Like, it, especially some of the locations, like when um, Priest is chasing after that one guy and he's going through all those like ghetto fucking I don't even know apartment buildings and shit. That's fucking grimy, dude. That's real. That's what I like about this. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Dirty and it's got that feel and it's like yeah they might be actors but they're in this fucking world <laughs> like you know love it or hate it they're they're in here you know and uh I don't know some of those areas in New York fucking rough dude rough I was just gonna say I've, I'm kind of a little bit addicted to cinema from that time and, that, and that shows the streets in New York they were just like it was like something out of street trash you know it was like sick stuff yeah that 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 uh 
that atmosphere, that feel, that's that's really what brings me back to this film all the time. But it's we're not only covering Superfly Part One, but we're we're covering its sequel, which is uh, not Boom <laughs> TNT. Put put a stick of TNT on that bitch. <laughs> Superfly TNT, the sequel. Yeah, the sequel, and this is directed by Ron O'Neill. Um, it's yeah, it's kind of a, almost a direct sequel. Like it's uh, well, the first one was from '72, and this one's from '73. So um, and it's never been released on DVD, and we will tell you why that is. <laughs> reason this was never released, but uh, I don't know. I think it would have been interesting for it to get like I don't know. I mean, it shot well, and then I'd like to see it restored, I guess, but. You know, Ron O'Neill, he passed away a couple years ago, didn't he? Yeah, I believe so. And uh, it would just be a crying shame not to have him on there talking about it. But you did say there was a clip out there of him talking about the film, correct? Yes, on YouTube. I think we're going we're gonna to snatch some of that audio and probably play it um, during the break or something in between before we review the film so you can... You can hear what the man him, himself thought, you know, beyond the grave and... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I want to. I'd like to cut in some um, interesting because there's a few interesting interviews out there with Ron O'Neill, especially when black ex, black exploitation was getting like backlash from some of the uh, black leaders in the community. That basically they're they're the ones that gave it that um, classification, black exploitation. It was is the exploitation of black folks and living uh, conditions and. Oh, they were all pimps and criminals and stuff like that. So there's actually an interview out there. I don't know if he did it for like ABC or CBS or something. Just comment, commenting on his experience um, working in the business. And I've I've heard a lot of actors actually say if if there wasn't black exploitation films, they would have never got hired onto a film, and nobody would have ever seen them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, believe it or not. <laughs> Excuse me, on the commentary of uh, the stand, the TV version. Um, uh, not the stand. I'm sorry, the uh, the Shining. Oh, okay. TV version, the commentary. They they talk about Sweet Sweetback's badass song on there for a little while. Yeah, the guy from Wings that plays Jack Nicholson's character. Oh, okay. Yeah. I Actually, only... he talks about it on there for a while because I don't know if you know you know Scatman Carruthers plays the Kubrick. The cook on the Kubrick uh, movie. Yeah, right. Well, right. Melvin Van Peoples plays the cook on the TV version. Oh, I didn't know. I've only seen parts of it. I remember yeah. when it first aired, and I was like, eh, I don't know. Uh, like, I guess. I was the same thing. I just finally just seen it, like, about eight months ago, because it was in the Walmart bin for, like, four bucks or something. <laughs> it's closer to the book, but I don't know, man. I'm I'm diehard Kubrick, you know. So. It was better than I thought. I I'm a, I worship the Kubrick Shining, so. Oh, but it's better than I thought it would be. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I'll have to check that out. I'm, I mean, I of course I haven't heard the commentary because I haven't even seen the whole movie. I only seen like one part of it because it was a mini series or whatever, right. correct? On what, CBS or something. I remember, and I think I only seen like one episode of it. And I was like, this isn't like the original. Where the fuck's Jack at? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, There's a few know. things in there that are pretty brutal for TV. Even now, when I watch it, I'm like, oh. Surprised they got away with that back then. We'll have to check that out. But back on to black exploitation. Yeah, back back. 
sweep well, back on the black exploitation. What more to say? I mean, yeah, this is going to be the black exploitation episode, and of course, um, it's not going to it's not going to fully be a black exploitation episode because we do have a review. We were sent a DVD. Um, I had heard about this film probably a year ago, just through the grapevine that it was in the works or whatever, and um, uh, apparently the one of the filmmakers, Shane Brown, um, actually was a listener of the show, still is, I'm guessing, and uh, he he hit us up and uh, wanted us to check it out and sent me and Dale a screener of it, and uh, we're going to be reviewing that. So he also did this film with um, Jenny Allen, so... Um, yeah, we're going to be covering that. It's a fan-made documentary, and... Uh, yeah, little Stay labor tuned. labor love on the Evil Dead series, going to the locations and stuff like that. Um, it remind you know what it reminds me of is that one Halloween documentary, um, where they go to the conventions and shit. I can't remember what it's called. It's kind of a lower lower budget uh, uh, documentary, but like I don't know. I, th- I think these fan documentaries are interesting for the simple fact that. Uh, you know what I mean? It's from their perspective, and and um, I don't know. It just shows that like anybody can anybody can really put something together if they uh, they put their mind to it and want to go out there and do the effort and shit. Like I've thought about documentary before too. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting uh, subjects. I don't know. I think we're gonna be having Strebo on uh, later in the episode, and I he's been talking about fan-made documentaries and being intrigued by them too so um i don't know maybe we can get pick his brain on it and uh get some more insight from him as he's uh, uh jamming about black exploitation with us so we need a little more strebo on this mother yeah and this will be your first episode where you're gonna actually you, you get to jam with them and counter strebo up close and personal well close right. enough I guess. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the stage at the same time, finally. Yeah, exactly. We so. hope. We'll see. <laughs> Things happen. Yeah, well, he'll be on. I, I'm not going to roll a review without you, so he'll he'll be in here. And so, uh, he's, he'll he'll come on. If, if worst case scenario, if we can just get him on for the outro or something. But I know he's been wanting to talk about these, at least Superfly, the first Superfly. I know he's right. a big of that so somewhere in here we'll have him and in and dale will be a couple i think i think he loves superfly tnt as well doesn't he <laughs> uh <laughs> or not we'll see i don't know <laughs> well actually i know but i'm not gonna <laughs> we'll but let you find out we'll save it so um i don't know we'll see what i can dig up for trailers or whatever i don't know i haven't uh, I haven't even thought about that yet. We're just recording here, so we're not even. I haven't even gotten to the editing stage. We'll see what what we can dig up. If if not, we'll bring you some crazy, obscure black exploitation uh, trailers and uh, play some tunes. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll think up something else. So um, with that, Dale, roll us the fuck out. You're listening to Exploited Cinema. This dude is bad, and he ain't just fly, he's super fly, yeah, super fly. When it comes to women, they come to him, but it's still not enough. He wants a big score, a million in cash, yeah, the big one. This is a chance, and I want to take it now. 
before I have to kill somebody. Before somebody ices me. What kind of money are we talking about? Not much. I want his ass out working. took all this chance for nothing and i go back to being nothing work at some jive job for chump change day after day because that's all i'm supposed to do then they're gonna have to kill me because that ain't enough ain't i clean bad machine super cool super mean feeling good for the man super fly here i stand secret stash heavy bread baddest bitches in the bed i'm your pusher man Superfly Harlem dudes leave the system. He's got a plan to stick it to the man. He's super hood, super high, super dude, super fly. Welcome back. Oh, wait, what's Just gotta get my crucifix out. <laughs> oh, that's better. <laughs> Welcome back to Exploited Cinema. This is the Superfly Review from 1972. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Bat32, and the maestro of MPV Radio and the magician of Mutantville Productions, Strebo. Strebo Rama in the house. What's up, guys? Same shit, different day, man. You been getting laid lately or what? <laughs> well, a gentleman never kisses and tells. You know how the story goes. Oh, I see. Well, you're on the wrong podcast. Then. <laughs> hey, well, no, I'm, I'm stoked to be on with you. I got a post of me with a, with a couple girls from the set of Ghost Trek yesterday, so I got some action going on. So, Oh, you smacked them around a few times first, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I see blood coming out of their heads. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've seen where you guys go when you get to talking about this stuff. So. <laughs> it always gets darker and darker, like going down a fucking dark alley. Me and Dale are down there. <laughs> and there's no coming back. We're, we're waving Strebo on. Come on, man. <laughs> be great. We got something to show you. It's probably a dead... Behind the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> no dead tranny bodies, please. <laughs> <laughs> And already we've gone into a greasy turn, but it is very fitting since this is, of course, the sleaziest podcast on the internet. We're trying to bring it back to class. I don't know if there ever, ever was that, but trying. <laughs> yeah, well, if we ever do that Cronenberg episode, that'll be, that'll have a little bit of class to it. I'm looking forward to that. It's on the horizon, sir. It's on the horizon. It's coming. I told you before the end of the year. Actually, it'll probably be the last show of the year. So I don't. But we're covering 1972's Superfly, probably the greatest black exploitation film ever made. It's my, in my opinion, so. I can't. It's pretty that. close to my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your favorite, Strebo? You have a favorite? Let me guess, Dolomite. My absolute favorite is the Mac, just outright best black exploitation movie. The Mac, best acting, best storyline. Richard Pryor's in it. Yeah, Richard Pryor is in it. It's got big titties. <laughs> there was a callback to it in True Romance. And that's actually where I found out about. It. I I got into all my black exploitation from from that from True Romance, going and watching the Mac. And then, uh, you know, wanting to know more about uh, the stuff that Tarantino was always watching and talking about, mm-hmm. and then just watching black exploitation movies and uh, and getting into Dolomite and all kinds of crazy stuff. But the Mac, hands down, because Goldie was just badass. Like he said, I'm going to be the meanest Mac that ever lived. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's goals and aspirations. <laughs> But there are a lot of great, great flicks out there. I think I, I have me and, and my buddies um, have kind of this ranking system where we're each we have awards for for all of the great black exploitation movies. Um, like best stable goes to Willie Dynamite because um, he had he had a great looking set of hose. Um, best bottom bitch goes to Pam Greer and Coffee. Okay, best afro goes to Jim Kelly and Black Belt Jones. Mm. You know, it just goes on and on and on. Pam Girl didn't get. Pam Greer didn't get best top. <laughs> well, you know, with that those would titties, work. that would work. Best fight scenes goes to Dolomite Two: The Human Tornado, <laughs> in which uh, Dolomite fights, fights butt naked against the man at one, in one scene doing Shotokan karate and shit. I don't think I've seen that one. Out times. I don't know if I want to see that one. <laughs> now that you mention that. <laughs> I couldn't resist recently with Fast Custom Shirts did the Black Friday sale. So I bought that uh that t shirt off of Joe. <laughs> was that a limited or uh yeah, well it was Black on sale. Friday or yeah, just 'cause it was, so it was all what was it, black exploitation shirts or No, what? it was the human tornado. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh nice. I didn't even see that. That's cool. Where were you on that one, Strebo? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot live online, man. I just yeah. I try to just hit and run, you know. I just I just make my posts and then get back to shit I got to do. Promoting, promoting, promoting. And then I got to get back to hustling. <laughs> and busting ass and thinking about that dollar, just like in Superfly. 
Which Superfly, by the way, always won for best uh, best soundtrack. That was that was his claim to fame. Though uh, though I got to give Priest props for for his wardrobe because he had a he had a slick wardrobe. He was Superfly. <laughs> the wardrobe would fly even today, man. To be honest, I mean, like a little bit upgraded and stuff. But for, I, for real, for real. And I remember talking to one of the old uh, one of the old black guys on the block. Just having a conversation about that movie, and he and he was calling back to when Superfly came out in 1972, and he's like, "Superfly, man, that's the one where them niggas start wearing long coats and calling each other <laughs> young blood and wearing coke spoons around their necks and shit." Yeah, it, so, yeah, we're definitely. I mean, he literally could remember that, yeah. like, changed the you know the generation. Yeah, it definitely changed the game up, and I, you know, a lot of a lot of brothers do remember back to that, and if. They weren't around at that time. That was kind of like, I don't know, maybe that was like uh, the black community's clockwork orange. <laughs> That's a pretty fucked up analogy. But, uh, I mean, it really, I mean, it's got style. It's got class. It's got ass. It's got, it's got the whole fucking nine yards, man. I think Strebo has to pick himself up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty quiet over there. I just heard a thud. We lost Strebo. He fucking he was already drinking. He's so, like, did he just uh, just compare like Kubrick to? <laughs> <laughs> we What's were... up? Are we still rolling? Yeah, we're still rolling. We thought you fell off, like fell off the fucking chair, hit your head, and shit. I know you were drinking, so I did, man. I'm fucking drinking this Blue Moon's kicking my ass. But I was talking about Muhammad Ali. That might have been what knocked me down because he was the fucking greatest <laughs> boxer of all time. So. <laughs> So are you holding to that? I don't know. And I'm over here talking, comparing uh, Superfly to Clockwork Orange, saying it was like the black communities. Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> That's See, I thought you fell off your chair after you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I was trying to drop some knowledge about Ali and his fights in uh, Madison Square Garden. I don't know if you guys ever watched any of those, but I'm a big boxing fan. Was he also a black exploitation fan or what? Shit, man, Muhammad Ali was black exploitation. What are you talking about? He's in film or just you're talking about embodying black culture or what? Yeah, exactly. Embodying embodying the black culture, being a figurehead. I don't think he would have appeared in films. I think he probably would have felt like it was it was exploitive or whatever. Uh, well, you know, the term it depends on what. What kind of meaning are you going to give the black exploitation? I mean, black exploitation being a genre uh, of black filmmakers making films about the black culture, and then that's a pretty wide definition, not just filmmakers, quote unquote, trying to make a black exploitative film. If you know what I'm saying, yeah, from that yeah. time period. So, uh, so he might have. He was in a movie about himself. That was black exploitation. He played him damn his damn self. <laughs> <laughs> in the movie called The Greatest. I don't but what what I was saying about Superfly was the um, the wardrobe. You could see the pimps in the old Muhammad Ali fights. That's what I was trying to get to. It, mm. it, in Madison Square Garden when he fought Joe Frazier and also Ken Norton. I mean, you if you look at those, it's a time capsule. I mean, brothers in huge hats with feathers, you know, leopard skin. I mean, the colors are crazy. Gold off the hook. I mean, <laughs> it's all there. It's all there. Well, yeah, I mean, if you like... I don't know. I've seen these like um, videos with Snoop Dogg where he's kicking it with all these old throwback pimps, and they're all wearing the same outfit. So I had a feeling that that was that already had existed, but like 
uh, some of Ron O'Neill's outfits, I'm, I'm thinking they had, you know, someone on the wardrobe designing shit. Like, all right, this is already what's hot. Let's take it to this level and shit. Because obviously people weren't wearing the trench coats that were fancy like that. And I don't I know. I think it was just Ron O'Neill, man. Yeah. Just going, just going, hey, man, this is what I'm wearing. Because, you know, it was a low budget film and, and I'm sure that everybody was wearing. They, I'm sure they came to set, you know, ready to film. They didn't come and With get much makeup put on at all. I think yeah. in the documentary there was a. They said some lady was doing the costumes. And yeah, some out, the outfits for Ron O'Neill were all specially made because they seen that little feature at. Yeah. Oh, were they? Okay, I've never seen that. I've got Superfly on VHS. That's how long I've been watching this. <laughs> That's what I had before. I had an old VHS I was rocking, but I've. And I couldn't track this DVD down, so I just fucking copped the torrent, and it had all the featurettes. There's one on the on the car. I should just send it to you, Strebo. It's on YouTube too. The featurette. That's cool. That's cool. We need to pimp you the link so you can at least see it. Big pimping. No, I mean it's well, streaming on Netflix. I mean, oh, is it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I w- I would buy the Blu-ray of this if there was a Blu-ray, like an heartbeat. So wouldn't even hesitate. It's not one yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was, you know, was it's one in the future. Time, huh? Who owns this? This film? Who put this one out? Was that uh, Warner Brothers or someone like that own it? Or I have no idea. I'd have to look. So I guess we're going to segue into the, the plot. Uh, you want to rock this, Dale? Lead the way. All right. Okay, well, the film opens up with uh, two brothers hanging out on the corner, and they're talking about getting some money or jumping somebody or something. Yeah. Yeah, and you got to talk about Curtis Mayfield from the bat because that's the first thing you hear is that... Yeah, I mean, oh, my God. The soundtrack to this movie is fucking sublime. I'm going to say that all through this <laughs> this review. I'm just warning you. So. We'll be oh, I love the music. Most definitely, I'll be editing some cuts in there because I mean you can't even you can't get away from that soundtrack. I like the shot when they're walking down the street too. I like to see all the. I'm a big '70s fan, so I like to see all the shops and all that shit when they're walking along. Yeah, I know that's the that's the appeal for Bat too. You know, because this movie is like a fucking archive of of New York at that time, probably. This and Taxi Driver are the two movies that capture that time period the best. And, uh, yeah, we've got Priest. What does he walk into a, uh, I don't know. Oh, cuts the Priest in bed with his, his vanilla slice, his white chip. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's something, I gotta say this right quick. Me and my buddy's always cracked up at this. When the two, the two crackheads, the drug addicts, whatever they are, the cokeheads, I guess, uh-huh. I never, never exactly explain it. They're, they're meeting at the beginning. <laughs> We always laugh at this because the one guy comes up and he goes, <laughs> the guy says, did you get the money? And the other guy goes, no, man. And then he says, she wouldn't give it to me. And we always laugh about that because you always know somebody's there on hard times when when a guy is scheming to get his money from his old lady. You didn't see him try to bum a quarter off a random lady on the street. And you could tell that they were just walking, filming that. Like that, She wasn't an actor. She was real. She probably thought he was really homeless. Very documentary guerrilla filmmaker style. Yeah, the whole movie is very yeah has that cinema verite feel to it, almost like you know Last House on the Left. Black Caesar's got that feel where like the 
the rest of the crowd on the street, I don't think they completely realize it's a film, you know? Yeah, I like in the next scene as well when he's when he's with the white chick. He he asks if she wants some coke, and he's she she goes, "Are you leaving?" He said, <laughs> he, "He said yeah." She goes, "Well, I don't want any then, because some things just go better with coke." Yeah, yeah, totally fucking priest talk. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fly. I mean, he's got the slickest fucking lines in this movie, and uh, well, like, we let's jump into the 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 action because it's like one of my favorite scenes. Is um, well, right before that, we get to see the car, right? He's cruising in the car. Yeah, he rolls with the car, but like we get the, I mean, yeah, that's all just you know, that's the filler, but it's good filler. It's not, yeah. it's not uh, shitty, mindless filler. I mean, I guess it is. But, well, we uh, get to see the pimp ride though, like the super yeah. grill with the yeah the grill with the the islands and shit. I mean, yeah, man. I mean, the whole that still looks badass to this day. It and I'm, there's still, I mean, it's. That same design is featured in, uh, well, of course, I mean, they're trying to run on that fucking whole attitude, but it's featured in Black Dynamite, too, as well, that that same style. I think it's a little bit different, but it's by the same car maker, and uh, if anybody has a DVD out there and they've seen this, you know, there's a whole featurette on there about the guy producing the cars and shit, so he still, he still exists to this day. So. Yeah. But um, trying to jump into the scene, I've been trying to talk about. I'm just okay. Trying to I'm skip, sorry. Skip into it. No, no. You you you're bringing you're bringing up good points. You know, you get the whole introduction of his style and his attitude. But uh, we really get we really get into the style of of what, he, what priest how priest really is when he uh, when these cats try to rob him. In that uh, I don't know. It was it looks like a real fucking crack house or just a really fucking rundown apartment building. Where they're hiding, uh, what's what's the old boy got? Like a piece of wood or bat or something, something yeah, like, like a that. Table leg or something. Yeah, I think it might be a bat. I don't know. Some shit this is, wants to rob priest. Knows he's the the neighborhood coke man. Or I mean, come on, you drive you driving that kind of car, you dress that fly. We know you've got money. Yeah. And, and they try boy, to jump him from both sides. Mm-hmm, but Priest ain't going for that. He want what? What did old boy took cash off something? Grabbed something off of him, huh? Yeah. And yeah. Well, he had a packet or something. Yeah. Ron O'Neill. Yeah, this man was in good shape. Like he chases this dude. Do you guys remember that uh, shot where he fucking just like leaps over that fence? <laughs> he is hauling ass in every one of those shots. Oh shit! Me and my boy always like. Uh, slow mo that fucking scene. Like, look the jump. You know what I mean? <laughs> Chases. Ron Neal was a badass man. He was for real. That guy, man, he should have been a basketball player the way he jumped, man. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I love Damn. the camera work there. It's actually like a little bit sloppy, but the you can tell the cameraman's running backwards in the chase. But it oh, looks yeah, it, it, it makes everything real fast. In front of the- yeah. yeah, you see cables falling in frame and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's so sloppy, but it looks, it makes it look, it gives it that cinema verite, that, that realistic documentary feel, you know? It makes it seem more like, like faster and violent, the, the chase. It's not like Dolomite bad where the fucking boom mic's coming into the shot and it's like everybody knows it's like an inside joke. Dolomite's a lot rougher around the edges. Yeah, it's more of a 
closer to a Z-grade movie. And, and I thought it was a roughie. Superfly is well made, man. I mean, Gordon Parks yeah. Jr. was a solid filmmaker. I mean, it's it's still it's low budget, yeah, and it's a little rough around the edges, but it's a it's a quality film. Oh man, yeah. I don't. I never even noticed. You guys mentioned you seen cables in the shot. I never even noticed that because yeah i'm so so, it doesn't surprise me i'm sure if i go back and just really look card details you probably do see a little boom mic maybe coming in the shop but not much you know what i mean just real quick and uh you know like they would they would this this production i don't think they would have like let that go they would have seen the dailies and be like no we have to reshoot it we there's no options you know what i mean so but yeah, I'm just pumped in that scene. I wouldn't even have noticed any um, any anything off because I'm just I, so do it. Speaking since you're bringing that up, I, I did a little bit of research and when he's talking to Freddie, when Freddie doesn't have his money in the apartment shortly after this, <clears throat> they say that I didn't quite catch it, but they say you can see one of the crew members hiding behind the door. <laughs> well, the, 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 uh, <laughs> the scene is so entertaining, dance. though. You're not even you're just engulfed in the performances. Yeah. Like that's I never. My favorite scenes. Like, you wait, wait. Let's not back. let's not jump. No, let's no. Not I, jump him chasing that guy at the building because this yeah. we're talking about for certain. Yeah, chases. What is he chase him into some fucking? Chases him up up the fire escape, and at this point, I mean, he's fucking his hauling ass jumps over the fence like you're saying. Then he jumps in, climbs up the fire escape like fucking Kurt Russell in Escape from New York or some shit, and chases chases the guy into an apartment. And goes in there and starts fighting him, and there's a little family sleeping on the bed. It's like a mother with her kids, you know. I thought they were squatting or something. It, yeah, exactly. And it's like they're just living in squalor. And, you know, cause it's, cause she doesn't start just going like, oh, what are you doing in my house or whatever? You know, she just starts trying to hold her kids. Yeah. And I mean, and it, this and it's happens a, every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it happens every day. This is just a perfect example of social decay. And that's one of the things that, that that's one of the recurring themes of black exploitation film and, and what made a real social statement. New York films too, as well. You know what I mean, like Bronx and this. You know what this yeah, is yeah. Manhattan, right? Manhattan borough, or where? Where was this film? Was this filmed around Forty Second Street, or I don't know if we got. Yeah, it was it filmed around Forty Second Street. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I'm not a New York expert. I couldn't New tell you. I'm from yeah. the South. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fucking Mississippi Delta, brother. Um. Yeah, I mean it's you got some of the great street scenes though in it, but yeah, he what he uh, punches that guy in the gut and he spits kicks the shit out of him. And that's when you can tell, you know, after the way he ran and the way he just beat the shit out of him and kicks the oatmeal out of his mouth, he starts puking. He kicks himself. <laughs> <laughs> that was always kind of sick. But then he just takes his money and walks off. You know, he doesn't shoot him or anything. No, he's just because the lady and the kids were there. Sorry. I figured that's because the lady. It's just a character movie. moment. Yeah, no, I, I get you. That's because it, it makes it kind of layered. You know, does he not shoot him because the family is there, or does he not shoot him because, you know, it's just not in his nature? No, I don't think he's a cold blooded killer, but he will kick the shit out of you. Isn't there a scene where he's doing kung yeah. fu and shit in this, like training? Yeah, he's doing karate and he's wearing a yellow belt. Yeah, he's jump ahead, but yellow belt is like beginner. So I always, I always thought that was funny. Well, at least he was honest. At least he wasn't like, yeah, he's black, though. He's the baddest motherfucker out there. And he was like, nah, man, that's just something I do on the side. Like, I sell coke, I run, I kick ass, and yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you might know Jim, Jim Kelly, in which case, yeah, he's going to keep that yellow belt on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You don't want to be, get, you don't want to get called on it, though. <laughs> but he was badass nonetheless. Um, so where are we at next, Dale? <laughs> uh, that's the scene with, um, that's when Freddie his, his number in. two yeah. in charge, Eddie and, and Fat, or no, it's Fat Freddie and who's, who's with him? Is that Eddie with him or who? The one brother in the suit? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's another guy in Eddie and, and Fat Freddie and, that, and that's when he, he says Freddie doesn't have his money because of his bitch and, uh, and, Priest, Priest says he's gonna, he says, you don't have my money by tonight! I'ma put your old lady out on horse road. <laughs> that was awesome. That's my favorite scene, dude. Well, That's my lady! Like, I don't care. Somebody's gotta make me my money. <laughs> and what do we get? We, I know we're jumping around, but we get a, that night scene or whatever where Freddy's gotta go over and do the job and shit with the pantyhose on his head. <laughs> yeah, Freddy didn't shit. like that, did he? He's like, I don't like doing the violent stuff, you Yeah. Know? He's like, man, just you know what you got, man. Don't make me do this. I'm nervous. I might pull the trigger. <laughs> that was a good scene. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, this film's got real. I mean, it's, there's real honesty with the acting, and I think that um, a lot of the performances are pretty genuine. You don't really get any uh, stilted performances with this. I don't think. I mean, did you detect any of that, Dale, or what? No, no. It was. It's pretty gritty, and it feels real. You know. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it. So what do we do? We jump back. I know we get a lot of random um, priest with his old lady in the bathtub and job. Man, I love that shit, dude. I love Man, that. that's some serious close-up. Like, let's close-up on their thigh until, like, we can see, like, the pores in their skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if this film needs to be, Shreepo was mentioning the, the uh, Blu-ray. I don't know how that would feel. It would be like having a roughie on blue, you know? <laughs> yeah. This film's just too gritty. I mean, I've already seen Taxi Driver in HD, and uh, it, I mean, it's great and all to see that, because, I mean, it really get a, you get a real feel for New York, and it really gives you the grittiness, but I don't know, I don't know if these exploitation, grindhouse-y films belong on Blu-ray, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you. Um... So yeah, was that what we jump into? We jump into another scene like that? I don't remember. It's, yeah, we, I, uh, well, we jump into, Almost, it, this is the only place where it was kind of like a choppy cut to like the apartment and he's with Eddie. Ah, and he yeah. starts telling him, uh, well at first he gets him from the gambling game and then all of a sudden they're in the apartment. And then he starts telling him about his plan. Yeah, about, uh, what, basically getting out of the game and shit or just being tired of everything. Yeah. And they're yeah. gonna they're gonna make a big score and like sell a lot over like a four month period. Scatters. Did we get the meeting with Scatter? Yeah. Not or? not yet. Because okay. he has to convince Eddie first, and Eddie's not really into it, but he reluctantly agrees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because Eddie he's comfortable. I think that he's just starting to get the taste of the money and everything. So. And he likes the life better than Priest, I guess. And doesn't Eddie look like a fucking Sammy Davis Jr. If you've ever seen one or what? Yeah, yeah, like a young <laughs> Sammy Davis. I could see that. Yeah, that's what I always thought. This is fucking Sammy Davis Jr. right here, this brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, totally see that. Uh, the next shot, we're in the the club, like Scatter's restaurant or club, or 
Oh yeah, yeah. So this is where we get the meat eat and everything. This is uh you were telling me that one pimp that has all the ladies around him, he's the one that uh owned the car, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's a real life pimp. Yeah, real life pimp and uh and man, yeah, I think that's why these cats bring the the realism is because they are real. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they are- even said on the documentary like that pimp was pretty notorious around New York City. So like when the when the film started really, you know, getting a word of mouth and and whatnot, everybody was like, yeah, you know, that pimp case, the pimp KC, he's in the movie, man. Yeah, his yeah. car's in the movie. Well, he it seemed like he had to be there because you know Curtis Mayfield's there, and I think this is just a converging of um, anybody and everybody that was somebody in the black community had to be here in this in this scene. You know what I mean? And uh, that club. And you can tell that's a real club and everything too. It's you get that real vibe and shit like that going on. And um, I don't know, man. I just the feel is all there for it. You know, it's 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 right there. And if, like I said, you got Curtis Mayfield, Pusher Man's playing, and uh, I don't know, man. I just real cool I, ambience going on. Hmm. Yeah, the club. Like I said, the club just got really cool feel with everything. And. Uh, yeah, Priest basically talks to Scatter about doing this last deal. Scatter don't want to fuck with him again, right, though? Right. He he says he's retired, and they're... Yeah. He tells him, I, I want 30 keys. Yeah, Scatter gets nervous with that one. He's like, damn, boy. But uh, we, we get this vibe that um, Scatter kind of... Uh, he kind of took took uh, Priest under his wing, like, back when he was a young buck, huh? Right. Yeah, since he was a kid. He used to run him, uh, like, errands for him and when he was a dealing. Right, right, right. And then after this, we get another uh, scene. What is it with Eddie and Priest? And is it a parking garage or, or is this in like a? Yeah, out- but before that, remember, uh, Scatter pulls the gun on Eddie because Eddie starts starts uh, like challenging him. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, that was a real heated scene too. What is uh? What else have I seen Scatter? And he was in a bunch of different uh, black exploitation films, huh? Yeah, this isn't the only one. I think this is this. This is the start, though. <laughs> yeah. Set actor's name. My, you're gonna have to crunch up IMDb. Or... Yeah, probably. <laughs> he's fucking. He's phenomenal. Julius Harris. Yeah, he's phenomenal, man. I, I, every every bit of his performance in this film is top notch. Top notch, you know. Definitely. But yeah, we get that um that bit of dialogue um in the parking garage and shit with uh with Eddie what was Priest, I don't know, I think he's getting on him about fucking running his mouth and mm, motherfucker would have really killed him and everything. He shouldn't have did that. Right. <laughs> like he's fucking with the wrong one, you know, so And Eddie tells him, No, no, I had it planned all along, you know, like I knew what he would do. Mm, yeah. And and I guess it worked because he kind of went from like I'm not doing it to like maybe <laughs> you know. Right, exactly. So, um shifting gears here from Yeah, Julius on. Harris, he was in Black Caesar. Yeah, yeah, he plays the dad, that's right. Hell that's up right. in Harlem. Yeah, he uh that's Hell Up in Harlem's a sequel to Caesar. I don't know if yeah. you know that. Yeah. Not the greatest. I did it's kinda I don't know, it's not completely on par with TNT, but it's 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 not as I don't think it's as good as Caesar. So. Yeah, you're right. He was in a lot of stuff. I see he's uh, Taken of Pel- Pelham 1, 2, 3. Yeah, I've seen him in a shitload of stuff. Friday Foster. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's a Pam Greer film. Yeah, yeah, it is. Tarantino's always 
putting that one over. I've actually heard it's not that good, so. Yeah. After that, it looks like he just did a whole shitload of TV episodes. Yeah, that's where the black black exploitation actors went to die, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it does seem that way. Get comfortable. They're they're all pretty stellar, you know what I mean? But I think they all washed up on uh, soap opera TV, basically. So. Yeah. Um. So moving on, where where do we jump from here? Do we get some more car scenes or? <laughs> There's a lot of that in here. I think actually that's the love scene with his chick. Oh, is that the is that the bathtub? Yep, yep. Bubble bath, wash up. That. Yeah, man, that scene right there, man, that's definitely uh, you know, gets the uh, gets 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 you at attention. I think. Huh? Yeah, it's pretty. Uh... Like they they take their time on it, man. They build up the tension. Yeah, it's well done. Very erotic, very passionate. Uh, th- these black exploitation films had this like crossover feel of, um, like I said, like the roughy or like a porno. You know what I mean? They always had that feel. I don't, did you ever get that vibe or what? Yeah, a little bit. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And next, oh. next we see Fat Freddy in a vacant lot, uh, beating the shit out of a guy. Oh, this is where uh, Freddy gets caught and ends up snitching. Yep. <laughs> yeah, this this kind of puts the cops on the what uh what Priest is doing. They want him, right? Yeah, because he even gives it up that there's 50 guys in the organization, the whole bit, whole nine yards. Yeah. Um. Where we get another scene when he starts fucking throwing the coke. Am I jumping around too much here? Or whatever. We're uh. He he's throwing the coke and then he gets met. Um, this by police, right? Isn't it, aren't yeah. these tied with law enforcement to make that deal with him? Yeah, yeah. Well, first before that, they're uh, after Freddie spills his guts. They're transferring him, I guess, like uptown to the jail or whatever. And he makes a run for it and gets run over. Yeah, yeah. He gets taken. Gets care killed. Of. Yeah. <laughs> But he snitched already, kind of. Yeah, so. he was pretty Start- much spilled the beans already. Um, but yeah, we, somewhere in here we get this great uh, coke montage where he's selling yeah. coke to everybody, and it's um. I used to think that it was too long and it needed to be. Shit. I love this month. That's my favorite, maybe one of my favorite things in the whole movie. I love it. Yeah. I thought it was a little repetitive after a while, but actually I've come bec- I've come to appreciate it more. I think now that I'm like, you know what, you're not gonna get any. There's nothing else. I mean, out there like this. You know what I mean? You just gotta sit back and relax. Why cut it down? Or yeah, probably if I was editing this film, I may have shaved that down a couple scenes. You know what I mean? And it's great though. You get like everybody and their brother like was doing basically was doing coke around that time like it was a, like fucking uh yeah it was electric prepare dude and is it it's it's the all walks of life that was buying cocaine you know it had the prestigious um edge to it back then it didn't have like dirty connotations it was like kind of the hip thing to do you know and it's got it's uh what is it just it's got that um i think this was recreated was it recreated in blow too i think this montage yeah i think so yeah you're right it's like every film want to do that coke montage not quite to this extent but this this film inspired that sniffing coke like hey we're making our own so almost everybody they're fucking getting their nose full and they love it 
it's like a cocaine commercial is what it is. Yeah, you know? it really is. What did, what did you think of the cocaine montage, Strebo? Uh, yeah, it's like a cocaine commercial. If you want to say any part of the movie glorifies cocaine use, that's the part that does it. But I think the movie as a whole doesn't. Mm, yeah, no, no. I love that montage, though. And it also, uh, I know Strebo like this really uh, features Curtis Mayfield's music. The whole track, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the whole movie just features his music. I mean, it, but I mean, you, know, you really I, focus on it with all the still montage pictures. It's like, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's it, it really comes through there too. But one thing I wanted to say about his his songs is, I mean, you can tell Mayfield had been through some shit because he just he sings it out, man. He he lays down a lot of a lot of the game in those songs, and even at the very beginning, um, what's the opening song, Little Child? I mean, one of the lyrics is got a plan to beat the man. You know, it, it lays out one of the themes of the whole movie itself. Mm. Have some coke, have some weed through thick and thin. I'm your pusher man. <laughs> yeah, pusher man is another one. Yeah, I'm your friend. I'm your daddy. Uh, what else is it? I was going to say I'm your lawyer. I'm your caddy, but I know that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new version. <laughs> that's the white version. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the presence of. Curtis Mayfield and we well yeah I think you skipped out for a minute you fell off I think you fell out of your chair I bumped my head I'm drinking too much Blue Moon <laughs> Strebo's fucked up over there he just keeps he passes out randomly and then comes back <laughs> <laughs> that's how they do it in North Carolina huh yeah man we fucking rock it out oh shit dude so, so next, we- next we cut to uh, a cafe and then walks a, a group of guys that want to want to talk to priest and he's like i'm busy i gotta you know i'm meeting somebody i'll let you guys one of you two take over <laughs> <laughs> well what, the, what kind of group are these guys are they, like, is this the cops who are these these meeting i don't, I don't remember <laughs> yeah it's part, like a group of like three or four black guys and they're like they want them to kick some of the drug money over to them for the neighborhood for the black for the cause for the Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like these are like the kind of the tropes for the Black Panthers, kind of like they come in. They're like, yeah, don't you want to contribute to the cause, man? You making all that money. And uh he's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to have anything part of that whole revolution shit. This basically. is where we get the, the quote, too. He's like, he kind of brushes them off and he says, hey, you mothers get some guns and I'll be right down in front beside you killing Whitey. That's <laughs> a total fucking black power fucking uh, a line. Yeah. So basically, he's like, "You're not serious yeah. enough yet, you know. Come back and and get me when you're doing something real." Yeah. Aside from that, you know, it's just about these guys using the revolution as an excuse, another excuse to exploit him and extort from him, which is what everybody else is doing. Is what the fucking man is doing. So. He, he, priest sees that the fucking walls are closing in. Not only is the man after him, but now he's got his own people after him. Right. And then next, so, next, uh, we see priest with his white slice again. And he's breaking the, his little plan to her that, to quit the life. And she's not really happy about that. In the park? Is it the park scene? No, no. She, it's in the apartment, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not too happy because yeah. that means she's getting cut out too. <laughs> exactly. That's his gold digging hoe. You can yeah. tell that. That's his little his little gold Cold digger. Core. He keeps on the side. Yeah, little cold core. He keeps. Re- it's kind of like um, Jackie Brown, like uh, how Sam Jackson's character had all those like old ladies all set up in apartments all over. That's that's basically what he was doing. Yeah, right. he just set them up and like 
drop a little coke off. Probably like it's probably just an excuse to have a place to hide the coke, multiple locations, you know. Did you just reference Jackie Brown? I think that was a first, uh, EC first. I love Jackie Brown. I do too. That's an awesome. Movie. That's my favorite Tarantino film. And actually, a lot of people are like, "Yeah, yeah he has talked about it." Yeah, I, I've mentioned yeah. it. Uh, I think I've wrote into Profondo about that being my undying love of Tarantino. Like, but that film, I mean, a lot of people are like, "Yeah, he's a rip off and this and that." But that's you know, uh, was it Rum Punch and uh, yeah, it's based on a novel. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a it's an original story. You know what I mean? So it's got all the the ear markers of a black exploitation film. A lot of shit came out in the nineties, uh, mainly. Um, Mario Van Peebles would produce it or direct, like, a Panther. Those are types of films I think that, um, even some of that Boys in the Hood and shit I think would be, um, modern day black exploitation, so. Oh, yeah, that was like a second wave of black exploitation, actually, in the yeah. 90s, with probably starting with New Jack City and, and going from there with Boys in the Hood and. You remember that on one? And on, on Juice. That, uh, Fred Williamson and, uh, Richard Roundtree and Rod O'Neill, they all get together in their neighborhood. Like, I can't remember, I think. Original Gangsters. That's the one. That's, that's, to me, that's like the unofficial sequel to, uh, Superfly, like, cause Ron O'Neill's character is basically Superfly. You know what I mean? Just like. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, yeah. Like a wiser, older Superfly, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is. Good point. Good point. Uh, best Tarantino for me, I'll have to go with, uh, Kill Bill Volume 1. Oh, God. Is <laughs> <laughs> all my, all the Kung Fu together in one? Well, that and Reservoir Dogs. I mean, Reservoir Dogs was the first. I you love know, Reservoir That was. <clears throat> Oh, it was another original film by him too, as well. So, but it's so hard because then even you know, true romance, the two they didn't do, true romance and, and natural born killers, are, are fucking phenomenal too by yeah, two different directors. In, yeah, you want to get into stuff that he that he wrote that he didn't that was his style. Like natural born killers is totally, I I feel like that's totally original. Maybe that's Stone bringing that. Maybe if Tarantino did it, it would have. It would have resembled an exploitation film, but I want to think that was more original than anything, and true romance as well. You know, so it's like the ones that are really original, he he didn't direct. So, yeah, good scripts though, good mm. scripts. Back to Superfly. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to thread jack the whole fucking show, but yeah, yeah, know, I'm sure brought up Tarantino. Be completely outraged about the Quentin Quentin Tarantino fucking. Yeah, that's for you, J Dog, old buddy. Yeah, <laughs> since you're not here to to decry him, I will defend Tarantino. He's like already too too no. <laughs> that's where he shut <laughs> up. He's like, yeah, click. <laughs> oh God. yeah, so we we left off with a priest breaking it to his his uh, white chick, and they get interrupted by a frantic scatter. Who shows up and buzzes and comes up to the apartment? Yeah, what, well, basically, Scatter, like he's had, uh, didn't he have run-ins with with these guys that are trying to push? Yeah, he spooked. Yeah, he spooked. Not to, <laughs> you. I'm like, need to say that, <laughs> but but he's literally spooked. He's scared. You know, he knows they're gonna put the screws to him, and he's gonna get it very very soon. Yeah. He's like, he's what? like, I own half of that block. I own a restaurant. I own this business and that business. He said, it doesn't mean anything right now. I need some fast cash and I need to get out of town. Yeah, yeah. And this is followed by a scene of some cats picking him up, right? And just basically, uh, 
Suiciding him? him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I like they give him a hot suiciding. shot. Hot shot. <laughs> it was like a heroin and whatever. Yeah, they hot shot him because he smiles right right as they. He's like, no, no, and he smiles. He's like, ah, oh, oh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> give him a nice kiss. Yeah, that stuff. This feels like some mafia shit. Like, I don't know. You've done enough work. We're gonna put you down. You know what I mean? Like, they gave him a decent fucking out. You know, then he just put the gun to the back of the head and blow his brains out. So. It predates Looper. You know, they they <laughs> stole everything. For, I don't know if you've seen Looper. <laughs> I've just heard about it. Same <laughs> concept. Either is that this is I got fucking heroin killings. And no, it's about time travel. I was using that as an analogy, as a parallel time travel, uh, time killers, uh, as an analogy for, uh, drug dealers. Ah, uh, I see. Time is done. They send him back in time and kill him. But, that yeah. was lost on me. Uh, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be up to date on your modern sci-fi, but that's alright. This isn't the, this isn't the sci-fi cinema show. It's fucking exploited cinema. Once in a while we get into sci-fi, but it's gotta have a little cheese, you know. Or cheese, little sleaze, Robocop maybe one day, Logan's oh, run. Yeah, so it's, yeah, dystopic, definitely. It's just definitely gotta have that feel, but yeah, man, mention Robocop. Hell yeah, man, I got that Blu-ray, so. Yeah, that's a sweet little Blu-ray. Someday, someday. Yeah, the, the, not to get out too far off topic, but did you notice, yeah. like, some of them yeah. cut scenes are real rough. Yeah. They cut back in, so. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, classic. Clarence Boddicker, man. Bitches, leave. You want to talk about the sleazy dude? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy was a scumbag. He was like something out of black exploitation. He could have played the man, you know? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Get it back to track. <laughs> Backing up a half step, did, can you guys think of anything we missed of before, like any important point before uh, Scatter got suicided? Uh, I I dropped on my head for a little while. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, scatter <laughs> scatter gives priest something, doesn't he? What is he? He deliver? Is that where he delivers the last shipment? No, no, it's all the uh, incriminating. Oh, that's how he got yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He tells him. Yeah, he tells him about. Uh, yeah. Are you gonna spoil? In, are we gonna spoil the end of the movie? We might as well. I think we, we usually do. <laughs> We we gotta talk. We gotta at least get into the scene where he's like, "White motherfucker, no one tells me to split." <laughs> <laughs> we, we we yeah we I don't know we we gotta spoil the ending. I think this is 1972. People get on it. Where, where have every, where's everybody? Been? Yeah, I think you can spoil it because the whole the experience of this movie is just fucking watching it. You know, yeah. and listening to music and thinking about how it parallels what's happening in the movie and what's going on with the priest and just, it, yeah, just getting into the whole groove of it all. Yeah. It's more about the vibe and the cultural references rather than the massive twisting plot turns and left turns, yeah, right yeah. turns. And <laughs> exactly. Which is, which, you know, most black exploitation was, um, but I will admit that, uh, the ending to Superfly is pretty smart. I mean, I, I always thought that was like, yeah, you know, he, he outsmarted the man, you know? Yeah, I mean, that'll, I think that's fantasy in a lot of ways, cause they'd have been like, fuck it, we're just gonna take a risk and kill this motherfucker, and then we'll track the motherfucker down that's got the, the package or the information, we'll kill him too, you know, so. Well, he gave it to hired, uh, killers. Yeah, yeah. Like hit, mob man. guys or something. Yeah. 
and he paid him off and then gave him all the evidence. Yeah. So yeah. if anything happens to me, you guys expose them or and kill and kill the top guy. Well, not only that, but we get this great scene with his old lady, um, with the with the switching of the bags, the briefcases, yep. right? Yep. To to double cross Eddie, because Eddie ain't Eddie's like fuck that, I ain't getting out of the game. Yeah, he goes up to Eddie and he's like, I want my money. And Eddie's constantly coked up, so you know where his mind is, you know. Priestie. Yeah. Can I can I say something about Eddie before we go too much further? I, yeah. I wanted to say it earlier, but I passed out. Uh, <laughs> that the actor who played Eddie Carl Lee was is fucking for real, man. I mean, I, he's one of those guys you feel like you're watching him play Eddie in Superfly, and it's like, man, I know this guy. You know, I've seen this guy is for real. Like they brought him in off the streets. Like uh, the fucking pimp. Um, did you guys mention that? The yeah, KC, yeah. KC, KC the, the pimp. The yeah. And how about Fat Freddy? Was he real too? He was a real life criminal. He had just gotten out of prison for like, you know, vi- he was in there for uh, selling dope and you know, some kind of violence or B and E's or something. He, yeah, no wonder he. Because we were talking about. You should have mentioned that earlier. We were talking. Yeah. Me and Dale were talking about when you took your little nap, your little North Carolina drunken nap. Yeah. <laughs> So you just uh, fell over and went pissed some moose head. Had to make some moose head down at the factory. Where's your, where's your yeah, piss yeah, jug? you fell off your chair and pissed in your pants, didn't you? Where's your piss jug at, dude? <laughs> you don't have the special, like, the official exploited cinema I had it next jug? door. No, no. no. Oh. Fire that. It's, you can't keep a piss jug around, man. It's got to be temporary. <laughs> I thought it was, like, the same one you rocked for that Halloween fucking rock and roll horror, dude. It's probably still got the same piss in it. So, over Fuck the no. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no! Memory. I only I only drink during podcasts, and I'm not quadriplegic, so no, no piss jokes. <laughs> oh, I, I, I Freddy, though, I always I always enjoyed that. Sorry, Dale, let me yeah, cut ahead, you off here. Uh, but yeah, I I believe that he's he's another one of those just found guys where they're like, yeah, fucking Fat Freddy's a character. We'll put him in there, you know. Um, we always laugh at the at the part where he's like, man, get me that joint and rolling up big fat joints yeah. and stuff because. Yeah. Well, they, they said on the featurette that, like, like I said, he really, he was a real life criminal that just got out of prison. They kind of used him as a, also in a consultant on the movie and like try to make everything as real as possible. Who's that, Eddie or Fat Freddy? Oh, Fat Freddy. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. I, I thought that's who he's talking about. Or KC. No, Fat Freddy. <laughs> Fat Freddy. Okay. okay. <laughs> Cause I know KC's car was the one they yeah. used. Yeah. We mentioned that. Yeah. But um, Fat Freddy was the one that just got out of jail and he, he had, he was in jail for doing drugs and violent acts and stuff mm-hmm. for selling drugs. <clears throat> yeah. Well, there, well, to get it back on track, we were right at the ending. there revealing that, but, um, the guy, Carl Lee, the guy that plays Eddie, th- there's this line right before, uh, yeah, I was just going to bring up the line too. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it's a little bit earlier though. Uh, it's, it's right before, um, right before he makes the swerve on, on, um, on priest. Um, and he says, I know it's a dirty game, but it's the only game the man left us to play. And and that's just one of those things. So what if of that honk exploitation? Yeah. Yeah. So what if that honky's using me? Been using me all my life. Yeah, that whole that embodies the whole attitude of the rest of this fucking uh decade that's how the hall the films are gonna play out. They're all and I think Sweet Sweetback's badass song really kicked it off. Started all it all. Started yeah. it all. Yeah, it sweet sweetback is like the easy rider of black exploitation. Oh yeah, man, I agree. That's a great analogy. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I probably read that somewhere because it's supposed to be. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to take credit for that <laughs> whole thing. I read that somewhere. <laughs> Where? Who the fuck knows? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that's, you're right though. I mean, and that, that is a crucial scene. I think we'll probably play some, some dialogue clips and stuff because this film is, uh, yeah. the songs, you're gonna have a hard time <laughs> playing the songs. Might just show. fucking say fuck it, just play them out and just long play them. I don't know. We'll have to, so. Yeah. Hell yeah. But the ending was always smart to me. I always, I always dug that. I was like, all right, well, he hires these hitmen. I can buy that. I can buy that for the next five minutes to the credits roll, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like when he calls the white guy a redneck. What does he call him? Redneck. The pig. Motherfucker. No, you redneck faggot. <laughs> faggot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah the threat he makes to the cop at the end is, is great. Yeah, I hired, I hired the best killers. I hired white killers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I know all about you, all about your family, all about that big-legged daughter of yours, yeah. <laughs> and even that faggot son. That's right. <laughs> I love how he said he puts a little bit of venom in that big-legged daughter of yours. <laughs> and then he proceeds to kick some cop ass, too, right before that. Uh, yep, yeah. yep. We get the, uh, he beats it? up, like, what, four of them? Uh, five of them? <laughs> knocks him in a trash can. Or Yeah, man, that's a great fight scene, too. It is. It? Yeah, by that fence and stuff, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ron O'Neill was a fucking badass, man, for real. I mean, uh, <clears throat> he had to be at least a black belt or something. He moved with a grace and a certain certainty. That's why it was always funny to me that he was wearing a yellow belt in that training sequence because he he probably was tr- well-trained in something. Yeah, to be able to jump and do all that fucking, all those stunts and stuff, I, I believe that he had martial arts experience. Some reason Something. I was thinking that was in Superfly TNT, but I'm probably thinking of the horse riding, right? Yeah, that's that was about the TNT. Only, I mean, he did do some stuff in there. I mean, it was you got the feel that he still knew that shit. But I guess do we forget to mention that he's he's planning on the whole escape to Europe thing after you know? Well, he's he, gonna go somewhere. Does he say Europe though? Yeah, it's. I'm. I remember him saying they're gonna go to France or whatever. He's oh, okay. gonna fuck out. So, cause I remember. remember I, yeah, he says something like that. I meant. I think I mentioned something like that up to you about that. Oh, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into that whole review. How TNT. Uh, yeah. Didn't really. Yeah, like they didn't really. They did, but they didn't follow it. So. Yeah. But it's worth mentioning that. That that's the story is the story that he wants to get out of the life, and that's the story that he's putting right. forward, yeah. which ultimately is what makes this movie not so much a glamorization of what of what is portrayed. Which you know, hopefully, you know, all the best of the black exploitation movies kind of conform to that. Because to be honest with you, one of the reasons Superfly is not one of my absolute favorites, aside from the soundtrack. Is the cocaine, I mean, I'm just not down with that shit. I mean, that shit was evil. It turned people mm-hmm. into demons, you know, and I don't like to see it glorified and see, you know, people um, hypnotized by that shit because that's destroyed a lot of people and people I know. You know? I think that, uh. No, chill your that, nose? <laughs> Fuck <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that, um, that, that montage scene really what it was. I think people will look at it and look at it and go, yeah, that was glorifying of it. Like, I took the stance of, it really just showed you how many peop- different walks of life. I know we mentioned this when you when you dropped out for a minute and, and bumped your head, but uh, 
the uh yeah man it really just showed how many different people were doing it wasn't just rich people it was just oh, yeah. everybody you know what i mean it was everybody got that's, on that that's a good point i mean at that time period from the 70s to the through the early 80s it didn't have the a 80s, stigma. early 90s before 90s. the crack hit i think yeah, it was yeah. okay then like crack hit and let's like it morphed into crack yeah. people are coming in they're like we're just sniffing some lines and some fucking cracked out maniac comes in and fucking butchers everybody. They're like, whoa, this shit's getting real. Yeah. Well, this shit's getting scary, you know? Like, people are getting robbed, getting killed, you know, for the next level. So, I know Pete's mentioned on the show once the crack hit, that's when everything got scary in New York, so. Yeah, well, people were killing each mm-hmm. other, each other over it then because you could, you cut it down and sell it in more lesser quantities you know more quantities and lesser yeah. bites you know but it's quicker back for it yeah the high quick, is quicker. faster yeah, it hits you quicker. you know keeps people coming back faster turns people into fucking zombies yeah. you know but coke was bad on its own you know i thought boogie nights did a good job of kind of showing this how people's lives can kind of spiral out of control not that everybody would be off <clears throat> trying to rob a a drug dealer, <laughs> like in that awesome scene from Boogie Nights. Uh, I think they, I think they glorified it, but then like the chick that's like ODN and, uh, yeah, that's some mishaps, but I think they wanted to kind of glorify it in that film too a bit. So. Yeah, but not down with the coke. So that's my that's my stance on it. Fuck that shit. That's our if public service that, announcement. You are, you are a fucking moron. Strebo stops. He's like. Let me just take a minute to tell you, kids. You want to be a gorilla filmmaker? Stay away from the coke. <laughs> Damn right, man. That shit destroyed everybody. Cocaine don't, is a hell of a drug. Don't think you could stay up all night and edit your film, and it's not gonna work. You're gonna crash eventually. You drink diet Pepsi instead. Something, <laughs> something else. Something else. Look at it this way: if Richard Pryor, who could smoke all the coke he wanted and snore all the coke he wanted. And he crashed and burned, you know, and he had it all. Did he catch yeah. himself on fire? Yeah, he caught himself on fire. Literally did burn. You know, he had to live. <laughs> I think towards the end he was just like a raging alcoholic, though, wasn't he? Or is he still doing the drugs? He's dead. Well, I know. I mean, I said yeah, towards, yeah, yeah, all, yeah but, but after that, yeah, he was an alcoholic. But, but you know, during his, his time using crack. But, you know, he had it all. If he couldn't make it work, then now nah, you ain't going to make it work either. Yeah, yeah. Can't juggle that. Can't do it. <laughs> anyway. Fear's the legal our, cocaine, that's our right? public service announcement for today. Yeah. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to uh, mention on the documentary, uh, at the end when he, when he lays out his whole plan and the, the cops can't touch him, you know, he puts one over on the man. Um, right. They said on the documentary and the, all the black feeders, everybody would stand up and start cheering and clapping on their feet and stuff when when he revealed that plan. Well, yeah, I think that yeah, I think it was it. Yeah, I think the attitude was heavy and like, oh, you remember uh, Pete talking about how he would go and see some of these black exploitation films? What which one was it he said? And then the, all the lights came on and all the black folks like looked at him. Yeah, yeah, guy in there and shit like because might have been dolomite or something. I've said this before, and, uh, you know, these, this was, this was made for black audience, and I think if you were white and you were watching it, like, there was, it was basically like you dropping the N-bomb and shit, like, hey, what up, nigga? And they're like, what? What'd you say? You know what I mean? It's something, this is made for our people, this ain't for you, you're not part of this. Even though a lot of white, I get it, I get it, I'm cheered. 
I'll be right there cheering when they're like, kill the white devils. I'm like, get them white devils. Get them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm right there with it. That's, that's not me. That's not my people as far as I'm concerned. That's, that's somebody else doing something else. You know what I mean? That's, that's the elitist mentality. I mean, that's the elitist attitude. So. Well, you know, that kill whitey attitude was for real. I mean, and in to a lot of people, you know, the Black Panthers kind of represented that and also the nation of Islam. You know, it seemed like to, to white people and even sometimes to their own people that that was their message was kill whitey. And there were divisive battle lines drawn in the cultural I mean, revolution. Detroit riots, man. Like that was black, white folks were scared. That's when they started looking at black folks going. I'm scared of you. You know what I mean? That that's the, yeah, it's just yeah. another it's just another tool, another social tool if you want to look at these social engineers out here. Fucking LA riots, the follow up to the 90s yeah. exploitation. <laughs> you think there's revolution and then this is a good idea breaking off, but actually what you're doing is you're getting back to the whole I'm afraid of my neighbor because of the color of his skin or whatever and you're almost the not say I'm not against the whole Panther movement. I think it was a hel- it was healthy to an extent. But what you had was you had a whole new uh, 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 I don't know. It's it's more it's like the uh, one true race, one pure race. It's like an Aryan mentality reversed. Yeah, know? like the Nation of Islam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How they wanted they wanted they thought black people should be separate from yeah. white people. You know, they should have their own place and then white people should live somewhere else. You know, they were just as militant as, as, uh, you know, as Nazi white supremacists, you know, it's black supremacy and it's spilled off into, uh, it's interesting. We bring it up because it's spilled off into like native, there's native American supremacy as well. Like that whole, that whole Hitler mind cop thing spilled off into a lot of different cultures. They picked it up and said, we can make this our own, you know, so. Yeah, well, I, it was, I wanted to bring this theme up because of, um, I'm a fan of Muhammad Ali. I think he's the greatest boxer and fighter that ever lived. And, uh, I also think he's one of the, he's possibly, you know, like a saint, <laughs> you yeah. know, like in 500 years, it'll be like Saint Ali, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, because he really, took a stand for his religious beliefs when he was the heavyweight champion. You know, for people that don't know the story, you know, when he was the heavyweight champion of the world in the 60s, you know, he refused to take an induction. He refused to be inducted into the armed services of the United States of America based on his religious beliefs that he didn't believe in killing and he didn't believe in going, in his words, to going to another country to kill people of another color yeah. for the white race. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the famous apocryphal line was attributed to him that no Viet Cong ever called me nigger, but yeah. he never actually said that. That was just, and that just kind of shows you the power of his symbolism that he, he became this symbol where he, he was stripped of his title, stripped of his license to box. He could not fight in America. And he actually went on like a, a two or three year tour, tour overseas for a while, you know, to try to get this stuff to cool off. Um, and then, you know, came back to the States and he was stripped of his, of his title and his license. And, uh, he became this real symbol. So when, uh, people saw that Ali was willing to stand up and say no to the man, quote unquote, cause the man is everywhere in black exploitation, you know, <laughs> to the man, 
he became this symbol that they could stand up to him too. And eventually when he became reinstated and he got to fight again and got to fight for the championship, he became this symbol of the movement of the generation. Mm. And at the same time, Superfly was coming out, same time Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song was coming out, all those movies of the 70s, he was champion or fighting for that championship through the entire 70s. He didn't retire until 1981. You know, and he was champion all the way up until 78. So when I talk about Ali was black exploitation, he was black exploitation because he was a symbol of that time and of of that era and of the spirit of resistance to the man. Mm. Though he was also a member of the Nation of Islam, which was very militant and believed in the separation of, you know, black and white. And oh, this. yeah, he was boys with Malcolm X. I mean, this, yeah. was, this was his, they were buddies. And uh, I don't know if you recall, Strebo, like right around 9-11, he, he actually came out of the woodwork and was like, defended uh, Nation of Islam and stuff like that and said, no, this is like a peaceful religion and you you're you're going and you're you're twisting it and blurring it with extremists and i think we've talked about this before strebo about the blurring the line with uh the extremist groups which are offshoots like that's like yeah. saying like every christian group is bad just because of the crazy southern baptist nutcase ones you know where i wild. live by the way same I, thing I here in, in tennessee man same same thing here man there's fucking so many baptist churches here so yeah and i'm sure there's extremist groups in this area i'm gl- i haven't encountered them yet thankfully yep. <laughs> and, and i, I probably I, won't <laughs> now, i've said hopefully. it before but i'm from mississippi so when i say oh are you really i yeah, didn't know when that, i say huh? you know mississippi yeah. delta a delta blues man that's mm. what i'm talking about i'm from real mississippi and i remember seeing the clan march in the streets man yeah. I mean, that's scary shit in numbers i mean i've seen crosses burning on schoolyards detroit too man it wasn't a, it wasn't healthy for them but they would come out and march in detroit and flint shit though very heavy in those cities yeah and now north carolina i'm right next to greensboro where they had the fucking the greensboro massacre or shooting or whatever it's called where all these people just start shooting at each other fucking white supremacists and black people it's crazy Everybody's crazy times man. dude i've seen uh, that's why you gotta get out you gotta get out of that life <laughs> have you seen some of these like one i seen this one i can't remember if it was a guy that was trying to get out of it or maybe it was one of those like uh history channel or a and e with they had a rally and like all the black folks was trying to jump over this chain link fence and i'm like get them get them get them motherfuckers <laughs> like, it's like they look they're like sweaty and they're like taking their hoods off and like wiping their face like damn these black folks is pissed <laughs> <laughs> they were the angry black folk as joey diaz would call them it they have, they have red veins in their eyes and shit you don't want to mess with, mess with those kind of black folk those motherfuckers are angry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those boys have it coming those fucking clan fucking hey man Anyway, yeah, but this, this is this is totally to counteract the uh, the whole that that whole power uh, white power. Your these films were black power, so yeah, yeah. It's part of the the cultural revolution, man, and and it was also part of the filmmaking revolution. I mean, Superfly owes as much to Sweet Sweetback's badass song as it does to Easy Rider, mm. you know. And uh, Martin Scorsese's Mean Streets and Taxi Driver owe just as much to Superfly as it does Easy Rider. You know, there's like there's a lineage. It's all and it's all together. It's all part of it. You know, and today we've got you know Tarantino who tries to pay homage to that. 
just one thing I try to stick up for Tarantino because he does try to make people aware of it. He's not shy of telling you, yeah, oh, this is Nate, Lady Snowbud, this is that, this is that, this is across across 110th Street, you know. Yeah. He'll sit there and tell you, and he gives these old actors jobs, and he gives them paychecks, and people might say, fuck Tarantino. But, yeah, but he's trying to pay these people. I brought, I think it was I, last time you gave him a paycheck. Yeah, I think I brought that up about him, um, him rediscovering Sid Haig. Like with uh, Pete, and he's like, eh, fuck yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, Pete ah. kind of glassed over that, glossed yeah, over that. He's like, was like, you have to give Tarantino some credit. He's like, I don't have to give Tarantino anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I he said, did. yeah, he'll just borrow it. Well, if you, <laughs> yeah, was right though. If you watch some of these um, documentaries and shit, he does basically sit there and list off all the movies that he's he's borrowed things from. So I mean. He That's isn't shy I'm, about telling you about it. Yeah. If you watch featurettes, it's there. You know, he will tell you where his inspiration. He might even cut a clip in. I mean, same thing with Kill Bill. He he talks about all the films he fucking borrowed. That's yeah, stuff. Yeah, right on. So yeah. I wouldn't be talking about Superfly today if it wasn't for Tarantino. I mean, he was a major influence on me on making me look back at that time period between the seventies and eighties. Believe it or not. So he was your gateway drug to black exploitation. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I have to say, I mean, I'd already, I had kind of peripherally gotten into Dolomite because Dolomite is his own little category, own little phenomenon. <laughs> but, uh, but the rest of black exploitation, no, no, you know, that was through him that I discovered, you know, like the Mac and Detroit five thousand or is it nine thousand? Nine thousand, I think. Yeah, Foxy, yeah, you know, and then Superfly Foxy. and yeah, Coffee, Foxy, all those things. The list goes on. Mm. Yeah, we could sit here and list all our favorites, and we'd probably be here an extra hour or so. so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there, we're gonna get some more rock, and this was great doing this episode. I think this was really just cutting your teeth on it and shit. Like I know we had talked about sweet, sweet backs, and uh, nah, 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 that might be too much for everyone because sometimes, like I've showed, you a- should cover sweet, sweet man. No, that song is up. I picked it originally. <laughs> Don't you think? Don't you think that'd be great? Like uh, that and Spook who sat by the door or whatever. It'd be a good double. Never feature. <laughs> I've never seen that, but you need man. Fucking sweet, sweet back is like a great double feature with some kind of dolomite. You could do the fucking uh, the devil's Petey Wheatstraw, devil's son-in-law, or something. I mean, I there's would save that for a whole franchise overlook. I have all the films and stuff because you uh, you turned me on. I think you turned me onto it heavy. Dolomite is for real, man. Soundtrack too, didn't you? Didn't you send me a little soundtrack of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, yeah. Yeah. That's something we'll have to uh, bust out in the future, most definitely. The the whole Dolomite retro. We could pair it with Vegemite. What the what? <laughs> That's Vegemite. <laughs> The fuck is that? You gotta get into Dolomite. It's Dale, that spread right? from Australia. They put oh, I don't toast know. and shit. Yeah, I was with you. Yeah, Vegemite. <laughs> you got you got to get into Dolomite. I mean, there's there's a uh, you know Trailer Park Boys owe as much to Dolomite. I mean, Dolomite was fucking was was for real, and they did things gorilla style, and he was a fucking bad shit talking hey, badass. Great, you're a big boxing fan, Strebo. Have you seen the yes. Great White? Uh, what is it? Great White hype. Great White Height. No. I've oh. never seen that. I'm a real boxing fan, not so much a boxing movie fan. Well, uh, I only reference it because I remember Damon Wayne's character was like getting ready and they're like, you gotta go out there. It's time for the fight. And he's like, nah, man, I gotta finish up Dolomite. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. Dolomite is for real. They mentioned it in the house party too. Uh, oh yeah. The, the father was always watching. He's like, well, why don't you come, hurry up, come back. We're gonna watch some Dolomite. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, 
Well, since we're making movie references, what movie was Superfly recently in? Good question. Ron Neal? Uh, I don't know. No, no, no. Just the, the movie the, the was referenced. Was... Oh, who God knows? I mean, that, Dark that... Shadows. Did you see that movie? Nah, okay, fuck. What the fuck? You're always on with this new shit. We, you have yeah, well, dude, it looked like a perversion of the original concept, so I was yeah. against it on the grounds of I wasn't interested in the. Oh, well, you well, know, I didn't see it. It's set in the seventies, and when they dig like a uh, Johnny Depp up, he walks like into town. He walks down Main Street, and he walks by the theater, and up on the marquee, it's Superfly across the thing. Oh yeah, you mentioned that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Playing, this? They're playing like funky seventies music. It'd been funnier yeah. if they'd been "See You Next Wednesday." Now, whose whose movie is that? <laughs> it's John Landis. He has it in every one of his movies. You'll see it somewhere in American Werewolf in London. You see it on the marquee. Is it a real movie or is it just? No, no, it's his makeup movie. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Yeah, that sounded familiar to me, but I was like scratching my head. It's like you've seen it in every one of his movies. Yeah, well, yeah, probably. It's like my Animal House. Yeah, my subconscious mind is like, oh yeah, where have you seen that? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, this we'll, we're gonna we'll definitely glance back at the uh, black exploitation and um, I'm I'm gonna go back on and do that that double bill. Yeah, I'm ashamed to say though that we haven't covered any any more. Well. Me and Dale covered Hot Summer in the City, but that's a crossover. <laughs> I always try to say, well, there was that one time, and it's like, yeah, that was a bad reference, though. So. <laughs> that, I think one. you said me and J-Dog covered it, too, and I was thinking, what one, what roughie did he cover with J-Dog? What did we... Uh, did I say J-Dog? Yeah, he did. I was listening <laughs> back to it, and I'm like, Oh, look at you. Listen J-Dog. To you, listen to you uh, correcting me. Well, that's all right. <laughs> That's all right. You've left a bunch of crazy. I've left a bunch of craziness in that you mentioned. And yeah, forgetting people's names and. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta Cut get you back because you like <laughs> screw me in the editing. Cut that out. And, uh, no, I won't, I'll leave it in there. I'll, I'll rock it. We we keep it real. We keep it real. We show we show the we show the behind the scenes. So that's the way to do it, man. Fucking Howard Stern style. Yeah, exactly. Nothing's cut out. No, I'm just too lazy now to even cut anything. So just <laughs> it's it's there. So I'm getting that way myself. It's like, did I fuck up in the middle of this show? Oh well, I gotta leave it in. Fuck it. Enjoy. <laughs> um, but I guess we should roll. We'll, we'll roll out into a break here on Exploited Cinema. Yes. Yeah, these men had the okay, biggest, thanks. most successful business in the world. Andre, I suggest we sell 10,000 shares of OUS. Bishop has been liquidated. I knew we'd sweat him out, Larry. You won't find it on any stock exchange. We're about to get it back. Okay. But the branch offices are everywhere. It deals in all the big money services and operates like a well-oiled machine. Kingpins of a crime network called 
the organization. It's so powerful, nothing can stop it. But there's one rebel cop who's gonna try. The organization may or may not know who you are, but they damn well know who I am. And if I'm gonna take them on, plus the department too, I don't want to be depending on six dead amateurs. One rebel cop declares war on the organization. And every war has its casualties. He was tortured, tortured by an expert who enjoyed his work. Where were you? Where were you when this guy fell in? You never got to tell the truth. There's something going on here, and you're not letting the lid on it. Hold it, Jessup. Well, if I'm being accused of a crime, I'm entitled to a lawyer in a trial. In the meantime, you're suspended. One rebel cop lays it all on the line. You must have spotted one of your pigs. From now on, we do it my way. His integrity. Lieutenant, Captain Stacy wants to see you. His job. His life. Sidney Poitier tackles the organization. He's out to get the men who run everything. When 42nd Street Pete is in the house, anything goes at the grindhouse. Turns you on, doesn't it, you little maggot? Yeah. Every Saturday night, mm. 9 p.m. Central, mm. 10 p.m. EST. If you want to be a party animal, you have to learn to live in the jungle. This is my grindhouse, 42nd Street Pete.
Hey guys, welcome back to the show, and we are rocking into Land of the Deadites, a fan documentary sent to us by Shane Brown, and uh, this is also um, done by a gal named Jenny Allen, uh, must be his uh, partner in crime, and uh, this came out in, what was this, 2011, Dale? I believe so, yes. And uh, I think I heard about this in the year before, maybe 2010. Some sometime I know it was when I when uh when this podcast was started up I heard something through the grapevine and that there was going to be footage of the location and everything so um it's forty five minutes it's kind of like a featurette yeah it's like a long featurette um and it does say like fan commentary so I mean it's yeah it's fan fan made documentary um I think I said this in the intro but uh it has this feel of the this one Halloween documentary was shot at um, conventions and stuff. Although I'd say the audio is a little bit better on this one than that one because there's a lot of people at that one, the Halloween one, and you could barely hear what people were saying. This one actually had, like, you could actually hear what people were saying at the conventions, and it was uh, decent audio. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it sounded pretty good, you know. Like like it's, like it says, it's a fan documentary, so I think I think it's pretty cool. But you could, you could tell it's, like, from different locations, and some of the people had to send in tapes. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that, because the, you know, the aspect ratio changes here and there. Yeah, I thanked every, like, had a thank you at the end for footage and stuff like that. So I figured this was a kind of a mashup of stuff. But at the beginning, uh, we got old good old Joe Bob Riggs, which um, I grew up on on Joe Bob uh, on TNT's Monster Vision. I don't know if you ever saw that. Did they play no, that? I, didn't, I didn't get that in Canada, but I did... Rented. He had a series of videos I rented in the early '90s, where he would do like the intros to like that movie, like Deadly Weapons, where that that lady with the big jugs would like kill people with their tits. Ones where he presented them. It was kind of like yeah. those era present movies. Yeah, it was like drive-in, you know, movies from the drive-in or you know something. He'd do like the intro and outro to the movie. Well, I mean, shit, Joe Bob's. I been thought he was awesome. Bunch of shit. He was in the stand. Remember, he yes. plays. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very memorable role. He got cut from um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. But if you got that special edition DVD that uh, Felcher put out, I'm pretty sure that's the one. I think it's got the scene on there. You probably watch it on YouTube as well. So he was in uh, Great Balls of Fire. That was a, a A-list film. Did you ever see that? Uh, yeah. I don't really remember too much about it though. Fucking classic, dude. Fucking classic. Um. Yeah, he's 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 been in quite a bit of stuff, and uh, uh, that's like a stage name, I guess he goes under. He's, his real name's John Bloom, and he's he had wrote um, a lot of I think movie review books and shit like that too. I don't know. I don't really get in off into the the reading that much unless like something comes my way. So, but that was cool. He gave like a history of uh, uh, the town Morristown and stuff like that. So I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it was cool. I thought his audio was a little... I think maybe it was done possibly, do you think, over a speakerphone or something? I, it didn't sound like, like a, a condenser mic or anything, but, I mean, you know, long distances and shit. It was good for what it was. I mean, yeah, no, it was cool of him doing it, for you know, for a fan commentary. That's um, kind of a I, feather in their cap to get him, Yeah, in, that, in my books, anyway. Yeah, that, was a, that was the best, uh, I think that was the best cameo. Lloyd Kaufman seemed like he was out of his fucking mind. Like, I've heard he's, like, lost his mind or something. He was crazy as fuck in that. Um. Yeah, he's pretty useless these days. <laughs> I mean, 
mean, I love Toxic Avenger and Class of Nukem High, but like, yeah, pretty much that's that's about where it ends for me with uh, Troma. Well, actually, I like Tromeo and Juliet. I think that's a good film too. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Never seen that one. I mean, uh, I like Blood Sucking Freaks. That's, I mean, yeah, they put it out, but they didn't. Fuck yeah, it. they didn't really. And I mean, if you want, if we want to get into those, like I love Combat Shock, but that they yeah. didn't fucking produce that either. They just the redneck just, zombies. Oh god, don't get me started on that. <laughs> it was funny though. Um, yeah, Jason Mewes is in it. That's the most awkward moment in the movie, I think, because yeah. I, I think he just woke up or he's high. I think one or the other. <laughs> they just caught him by surprise, like going into a convention or something. Yeah, pretty hey, much. Dude. <laughs> uh, Tim Pone's in it. He called uh, VHS dino- a dinosaur. Did you catch that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I want to play that clip. What the f- uh, what do you mean dinosaur? They those dinosaurs are those relics are still around. Those old bones. Um, yeah. I mean this this wasn't bad. Uh, I would have liked to see more people from Evil Dead. I guess. Yeah. Uh, had the effects artist Tom Sullivan, which he's a wealth of knowledge. I've talked to him at um at Wasteland, and uh, that that's the only thing that I thought was missing from this fan fan documentary was his um he does a like a museum with all the props and stuff. I thought that was kind of missing. I would have liked. I mean, they did touch upon a little bit of um uh within the woods. I would have liked to see more of that. Um, but other than that, this was pretty, pretty good, pretty good effort for, like I said, like a local, small, micro budget filmmaker. Uh, it's pretty ballsy, and the artwork's awesome on the cover. Yeah, I, I love the artwork, and and we get to see it. he goes and visits the site, um, for the the cabin and everything. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, for people that like say somebody that lives in Germany or over in Europe or something that probably won't be able to make it out to the the uh, hills, the burly hills of Tennessee. Um, you know, it's like a little glimpse into that. And, you know, what? who knows what will happen to the property. So it's kind of, you know what I mean? Like, if anything ever happens, like, they've got that documentation of it, at least. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Yeah, exactly. And I've heard rumblings that the landowners don't really care for people going back there, so you got to kind of sneak on to do check it out. It's, it's, um, it's on my... Uh, to-do list here in Tennessee, so hopefully the new year comes around. Because I've already, you know, I don't know if I told you, but I mean, I've been to Monroeville, I've been to the mall for Dawn of the Dead, I've been out to D.C., and I, uh, I've i seen a few of the Exorcist uh, locations, so it's definitely uh, something, I'm not diehard about the locations, but if, like, it's doable and it's within my means, like, I, I try to make an attempt, you know? Yeah, and the cabin location's right in your backyard now, so. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, I map quest and it's about four hours away and i'm like oh is it that far i thought it was closer a day trip dude yeah that's not, that's not that bad i'm a road warrior so <laughs> back up north that's like from from my area strebo saying oh good <laughs> you're gonna come to my place <laughs> i can get out to strebo's anyway like he's you got the mad monster convention coming up and shit and yeah, it's, that's going to be on my to-do list to get over to North Carolina as well. And um, he's got the uh, Evil Dead 2 location in his backyard over there. So, plus the re- that replica Myers house. So, so, yeah, that'd be cool to check that out. Exactly. So, there's, there's plenty of to-do shit here in the South for me. And, of course, there's always conventions and shit going on down here. 
I mean, talking about locations, though, like, what the hell, Dale? How many locations in PA, Romero locations have you been to in PA? Come on. What are you <laughs> doing with yourself? I haven't been to too many. I've been to the mall and a few locations like that, of course. Because I have a friend that, I mean, we kind of lost touch lately, but he uh, he lives like 20 minutes away from the mall, so I went and visited him, and he took me all around that area. Cemetery? Yeah, actually, we stopped at one cemetery, kind of. Kind of made me chuckle. There was a cemetery near the mall, like not oh. too far away, called Resurrection Cemetery, which makes you think of Return of the Living Dead right away. You take pictures of that. Yeah, I think we did. Um, well, quit jerking off and get out to the fucking cemetery, man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've always wanted to see the cemetery. Like um, when I went when I went to PA, uh, it was on the list, but like I don't know, I just I don't know how it's not that far from Monroe think um but yeah it was an an interest of mine i'd like to go see the airport you know what i mean from Mm -hmm. that'd be something i'd like to get out to do um but yeah i don't know i mean this is back to the documentary this is just cool like just mainly for the simple fact that they went to the location you know what i mean so because it's so uh hard to find and i don't know it's just out there now it sounds like it's getting more dangerous to go and see it, so I don't yeah. know. It probably makes it even better, though. For me, it does. And there's less and less of it there, by all accounts, because somebody every time somebody goes, they take a piece back with them. I heard yeah. pretty much just a little bit of the chimney and stuff is mostly left. Yeah, and people are probably constantly getting up, getting over there, and uh, chiseling off pieces and shit. So yeah. I bet you there's more there's more scrapped around like the area. If you go out like far enough, I'm sure you'd find shit. Uh, something something that you wouldn't have to destroy the chimney and everything. Because I mean, what the fuck is left for you to go see? You yeah, know? not much of anything. So, but um, yeah, this documentary's got a pretty good soundtrack too. I think they're local artists from around Tennessee and stuff. Uh, like I said, I thought it was a really good effort uh for what it is and um. Yeah, they're not they're not trying to fool you into thinking it's a big production documentary by Red Shirt or you know or whatever. It's a fan commentary, but it's it's well done. Yeah, um, and you found the 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 website for for the sale for it, and it's only two bucks. Yeah, two bucks plus shipping. I mean, you can't beat that. And it comes, you know, comes in a case. Nice, nice like artwork. It's artwork. It's got. Dude, you don't see this in DVD. It's not one of those shitty recyclable uh, cases that. You know, you get out of the five dollar bin. It's it's a solid one, and and you get a fucking um, uh, liner notes. Who the fuck does that anymore? In DVDs, huh? Right. Like nobody puts anything, an insert in, and none of these big budget fucking studios do. They're too lazy and cheap, and they want you to shell out fucking fifteen, twenty dollars for a pile of shit. Where's this? I don't know. I think you get some entertainment out of it for two bucks. I don't know what's. What's shipping? Five, six bucks? Uh, yeah, it might even be less than that, like maybe four bucks or something. I pay the most for is it to be shipped, so it's not gonna cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah, uh, you can't complain at that price at all. Yeah, and like the, uh, the, at least the link we have for, um, the URL, I don't know, it's kinda long, so yeah. I'm not gonna put it off, but we will post it on the Facebook page. So you guys can go order it. And I don't know, probably when this show goes up, there'll probably be a link, I'll include a link, um, on the episode on the website, like down in the description, so you can click on it. And it'll take you directly to the website to buy it. So it's I'd say it's if you're a diehard uh, Evil Dead fan, a completist, it's worth it. yeah, worth your time. 
I mean, shit, like I said, just for the footage alone, like you get, if you're a completist, you want that, but I'd like to see, I'd like to see part two where Shane travels up to my neck of the woods to film, see if he can film in the, uh, the farmhouse down in the basement and shit, cause I'm sure it's still, that farmhouse still stands with the creepy basement and shit. That's where, um, within the, have you seen the Within the Woods, uh, short film they did? No, I yep. haven't. I haven't. Dude, what's wrong with you? Get on YouTube. Sure, it's on YouTube. Get on there. Look it up. I think it's a little over a half hour. Worth your time, man. Cool. Um, so I guess, I don't know, that kind of wraps it up. Um, for the film, like I said, we'll, uh, post the link and then, um, they're on Facebook too. There's a Facebook page. I don't know if you want to go and give them a shout out if you enjoy it or whatever. I don't know. Um, I'm guessing it's just Land of the Deadites. Type that into Facebook and you can find them. We'll post links. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> so like overall, I mean, you dug it. I mean, yeah, well, I got into it. It was cool. Yeah, me as well. Me as well. I, uh, I, I don't. Even, like, I don't know if we mentioned there was a few filmmakers on there, basically talking, just, just kind of talking about how what an influence that movie was and Raimi was on them. Yeah, Greg Lamberson, who did um, was it Slime City. Uh, so, yeah, just being inspired and stuff. I loved how Lloyd's tried to say, he basically tried to, like, shill his own film while, while some of his own films while saying we were inspired by those. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a whore. <laughs> it, I mean, Tony Timpone did it, but he did it in the slick business sort of way, like what you'd expect with a jackass like him with a suit and tie. Yeah, and, I've heard so many bad things about him, but it looks like he gave these guys, like, you know, well, some pretty good time and... Give it that, but like, you know, he's, his mindset, I know how his mindset's working. This is promotion for Fangoria, so I'll, right. I'll be constantly promoting it. And you notice, like, how, how he was, like, um, how he was framed and everything. It was, like, perfect for, like, uh, basically a Fangoria promo. He was just a walking promo. Was yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, but he wasn't bad, as bad as Kaufman. Kaufman looked like he just climbed out of the fucking dumpster and he's, like, desperately. <laughs> wanting to sell you some dvds and they're like <laughs> they're dirty and 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 they've been opened and the discs are scratched and just buy these i'm ba- i'm going bankrupt <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i dug it though yeah it was fun so, so everybody so, check her out um with that i guess we're gonna this i think this will be in, like in the middle of the show so we'll uh we'll jump back into uh Superfly TNT um, when we come back here on Exploited Cinema. He drives the most expensive car because second best never enters his mind. He'll bet $100,000 on the turn of a card because he don't believe in losing. And he's about to take on a small army with TNT. He means taint nothing to it. There's only one stud who could rip off New York, ruin Rome, and stay alive to run a number in Africa. That superfly dude is back, black and beautiful. He's twice as cool, twice as sly, twice as deadly in Superfly TNT. Ron O'Neill is Superfly TNT, a six-shore production from Paramount Pictures, rated R, under 17, not admitted without a parent. They call him boss, boss nigga. 
they rode into a white man's town. Bringing black man's law. He's black. He's brutal. He's boss. Fred Williamson is boss nigger. Just sworn your new deputy. Made myself the sheriff. Being called a nigger in public. Now that's twenty dollars or two days in jail. Satisfy your curiosity. Good morning, gentlemen. It's my pleasure to tell you. Uh, that... Sir, you are interrupting our breakfast. We never discuss business while we're eating. Where did you learn to talk like that? I've been wanting to say that to somebody for eight years. My slave master said that to me once. It sounded so pretty, I never forgot it. We got that nigga, let's go! I ain't leaving this town till I get me Jed Clayton. Fred Williamson is boss nigga. Nervio Martin is deputy. They call him boss. They call him boss. Boss nigga. You so bad. They call him boss. They call him boss.
Welcome back to Exploited Cinema. This segment we're reviewing Superfly TNT from 1973, directed by Ron O'Neill, the priest man himself. Yeah, uh, this is kind of a direct sequel. I mean, it's a year after the first one was 72, right? Right. And, uh, yeah, the film opens on priests cruising around Rome. Like, at first when I'd seen parts, I'd only seen parts when I first downloaded it. And I thought that he, because he was going to Paris or something, right? Somewhere in uh, France, right? No, he's in, like... Yeah, but he had gone. Oh, he, oh, he had before. They talk about him being there before. Yeah, yeah, jumped around. So yeah, he. Uh, but that's where he was leaving off originally in the uh, in the first one. Once he hit that last lick, that last score. So I couldn't yeah, believe he, it when I hit play. I'm like, is that the fucking Coliseum behind him in the Lamborghini that he's driving? Fucking awesome. Uh, Awesome, Im- like imagery, imagery and locations and everything. Yeah, he's got a fucking Lambo. I mean, this has got a budget, you know. Um, intercut between those scenes, we get uh, these guerrilla soldiers in Africa battling it out, and uh, you know, we get explosions and gunfire, and I don't know. It's you see, up. like a group of like black uh, militant type soldiers, and uh, there's a convoy, and then the evil white-led army guys attack them, pretty much wipe everybody out except for the, the black guy in the motorcycle. That dirty Aryan blonde-haired bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy in the motorbike makes a run for it so he can go tell everybody what happened at headquarters. I think this would have been more exploitive if, like, he was a holdover from, like, World War II or something. He was, like, a former SS soldier. And, like, they showed, like, a scene where he was, like, going through, like, a closet or something, and his SS uniform was in there. I think that would have brought some more sleaze. Be that would have been cool, actually. <laughs> you make this motherfucker... And, Turn into uh, a little Nazi exploitation mixed with black exploitation. Has it been done? Well, yeah, I guess yeah, so. it has been. Oh. Not till after this, though, probably, right? What is it? Uh, the Gestapo? Black yeah. Gestapo? Yeah. So that's been done, I guess, but I, Ron O'Neill would have been great with some fucking Nazi exploitation thrown in there, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, that's kind of like, it gets you hooked into the film, but then, like, then the film kind of slows down, and, uh. Right. We, sh- we see P- Priest finally pull up in his Lamborghini up to a big, uh, like, high-rise apartment building or something, and he gets out with this little goofy, uh, Fur coat that's way too small for him. It looks like a chick's fur coat. Pants, <laughs> man. I'm like, where's that cool guy from the first movie? He's wearing like a little chick's fur coat. I did think it was funny though. He gets out, parks illegally, but he walks over to the other car that got the ticket, takes the ticket off their car and puts it on his so he won't get another ticket. <laughs> oh, you just get another fucking ticket for real. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, you didn't learn your lesson. Here's another one. <laughs> well, actually, that other guy will probably get another ticket. Probably. Um, yeah, and he basically goes into this place and it's like an underground, they do underground cards and shit like that, which well, it's he, kind of a richy rich mucky muck card game, isn't it? Like big money he, and remember in the first film he used to go to that one place and shoot craps and shit like that. So I mean he's he's a gambler, but yeah, he's Yeah, this he's is a, a bunch of white guys in suits and he's Italian businessmen. He's a he's a real he's drinking he's their a, cognac, <laughs> sniffing blow basically, and uh, well, actually he he sniffs blow, but then a couple of the other guys kind of give him looks out of the corner of their eye. Like, 
Yeah, old habits die hard for Priest. He, he, he's, he's, and he, if you notice, like, Ron O'Neill, the whole movie is, like, oh, constantly sniffing and doing the, like, God, my nose is all jammed with cocaine movements and stuff. Like, I wonder if he was coking it up throughout the film. It's like, dude, coking one scene, but constantly you're, like, cleaning your nose out. <laughs> <laughs> he probably was. Um,. So from here, Priest and his old lady are invited out. Well, I, I guess I'm jumping ahead, but yeah, this, there's a lot of filler. So um, they're invited out. Well, Doctor Sonko comes by the apartment before he leaves. Remember? And actually, kind of gives him a dirty look. Remember? I wasn't. I, I don't. Yeah. I wasn't getting that detailed into this because. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, Doctor Sonko's throughout the rest of the movie, so that's why I thought I'd mention it. So your first first scene. To be honest with you, I didn't even remember that. So. Oh, yeah. The actor that plays Dr. Sanko is Ro- Roscoe Lee Brown, which, you know, we've, once you see him, you know, he'll be like, that guy, I've seen that guy from a million TV episodes. I recognized him most yeah. of He was well, on yeah. all kinds of TV episodes like Mannix, All in the Family, Magna P.I. And he was on Soap for a long time. I don't know if you heard of that one. No. <laughs> I mean, I remember uh, the Soap, it was on for years in the 70s. It was actually just called Soap. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was also uh, in a movie called The Cowboys with John Wayne and... I've seen The Cowboys. In so. Logan's Run, which you do know very well. He was in Logan's Run where? I don't remember him. I don't know. It's in his credits. Okay. Well, there was like a lot of people in Logan's Run. So. Yeah. Yeah, I love Logan's Run, most definitely. So, And I do like The Cowboys, too. I uh, I had bought that um, on VHS before I headed uh, down to Tennessee. So, mm. up. yeah, it's a classic. It's one of the... Few John Wayne films that I, I get into, so uh, it's got on uh, what's his name from Revenge of the Nerds in it, um, the lead nerd dude. I don't remember what his name okay. is. Yeah. So anyway, back to the film. Yeah, they're they're invited out to dinner with this writer, and uh, I don't know throughout like part of it. Mother like, fucking Benson. That's who right. it is. It's fucking Benson. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when he walked in. I'm like, hey, it's Benson. The writer? No, the TV. He. Had, you don't know that show either. I am old, I guess. It was on for like seven years on prime time. I gotta give you. He was the out. star of it. He was Benson. You've watched all these butt fucking old crappy TV shows, but you never <laughs> Logan's Run. What the fuck's a- <laughs> what the fuck? You didn't even know Benson. It was on like prime time for seven seasons. It was fucking naughty. I was sperm. <laughs> probably. Like, I probably don't even remember. I was probably a baby. If any, it was I think it was like early eighties. Wasn't even alive, dude. Of course, I didn't remember it. it. If it didn't come on Nick at night, I don't know about it. So. Okay. <laughs> well, he's been in tons of other shit too, though. Um, but yeah, he. So he's the writer. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, the artist writer guy. Yeah, he. Uh, I thought it was kind of whack, but he gets some battalion song going. And yeah, like, I was I like, know. what the fuck? I, Benson's like singing some like sad opera song in the middle of a restaurant all of a sudden. I like. I had to rewind. I'm like, did I just see that? <laughs> it, with uh, Ron O'Neill, almost brings like a tear to his eye. It's so fucking cheesy and corny. I was like, Dude. I actually, the, the one, actually, my favorite part maybe of the movie is right before that, when they come into the restaurant. It's like a a convict, like prison themed restaurant. Like all the waiters are wearing like convict out, outfits, and there's like bars in between the like tables and stuff. And you, they show they close up on a priest sitting behind some of the bars with, like, one of those convict guys beside him, and he goes, well, ain't this just the shit? 
<laughs> you know, because he's sitting in like a fake jail. I wasn't even paying attention to this movie. <laughs> that actually was my favorite part. <laughs> well, some you got a lot of mileage out of this movie. I don't even remember any of that. Like, I just remember boy singing and shit and it being really lame. That's yeah, I don't even that was. I had, uh, that made no sense. He just like got up and started singing opera, and then we don't even really hardly see him again. Yeah, he's just an arbitrary. You think he's going to be significant to the plot, and then yeah, he's just there. So. And while they're talking to the table, Priest goes, "I didn't, I didn't know that you were black." And <laughs> the Benson guy goes, "That's okay. I didn't know I was black either." Ha ha ha! And they all start laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, oh, this is some some good dialogue right here. <laughs> crappiness of this, but uh, yeah, we get a good scene where Priest and his old lady go back to their crib and he tells his old lady he wants to quit hustling and, I don't know, move to Africa or whatever. Some shit. He's, he wants to move on. And yeah, he wants to keep moving. And she's like, we've already been. We were in France. We were in uh, I forget all the name places she named, like Holland or somewhere. Fucking England for a while or she's something. She's like, I like it here. I don't want to move again. Yeah, and then she starts saying he needs like a kid or something. Yeah, she drops the fucking hammer. Hey, let's have a kid. That'll that'll fill your life. Like that, you tell a dude that's just like, I'm thinking about quitting hustling. Oh, well, you need a baby. It's like, ah, oh, hell no, hell, that's the last thing I need. I'm trying to get out the game. Damn. He's like, I'm a hustler. I'm not bringing him into this fucked up world. Make we stay here and have to hustle and raise a kid. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> I want you to get a legit job, Superfly. You gotta, I want you to be an ice cream man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can kind of see why, because the, the next scene we see him dressed up as a friggin' jockey. Yeah. Which he looks like a fruitcake with that outfit on. <laughs> yeah, to ride a horse. More I'm like, wait, this is the badass priest, like, guy from the first film, and he's a, wearing a jockey outfit, <laughs> right. prancing around on a horse. Whole fucking movie because like none of this is none of this makes sense like at all it doesn't you don't you don't even have the same feel of the original film no. it's a whole nother it's a sequel the characters there I guess you can't take him out of the New York grimy environment and put him in this fucking high class it doesn't work it just I was gonna ask you do you think like what was he going for was he trying to show like black people can be sophisticated too or was he like? He was just high. We're not all like a bunch of you know. He was just high. Or was he just trying to be white? I, like I don't, I don't quite know what he's going for. I don't, I don't know what he was going for either. But I don't think anybody got this because I don't hear anybody ever talking about this movie. No, in fact, I was telling you, there's an interview on YouTube with Ron O'Neill, and they ask him, "Why does everybody all the time ask you about Superfly, but nobody ever asks you about Superfly TNT?" And he said. Well, I directed Superfly TNT, and I can tell you they don't ask me about it because it sucked. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, damn!" Clearly, <laughs> even though because the end is decent. So. Yeah, there are parts that are kind of cool here and there. Yeah, one point priest, like I don't even, I didn't even get this thing. Like, so Doctor Sanko, right? He shows up at the the well, stables. Yeah. Trying to get into, yeah, like yeah. we get chasing. So, we really get the. Uh, dialogue exchange about what he really wants. Some random dude. Do you steal Priest's bag or something? I don't know. But then, I think this is all staged. This dude, uh, the doctor there is just like going to save him and then get him to work for him or whatever. Well, yeah. They, well, they need to replace 
all the guns and ammunition that um that evil army blew up. But, evil SS officer. Right. And uh <laughs> but but, the, <laughs> but they need to do it quickly. So basically he offers priest, he says, We need to do it fast, but I got these blood diamonds. And I'll I'll give you these blood diamonds if you get me, you know, a uh, hundred grand worth of guns and ammunition. Automatic weapons, basically. Right. And he's like, you could sell these blood diamonds. Oh, I keep calling them blood diamonds. <laughs> these diamonds for, you know, probably half a million. But it's going to take you a while. And so, Priest, so that's the deal he's trying to set up. And then Priest says no, right? Oh, yeah, he does, but, like, then you, get, then you get, like, a scene shortly after where he goes back and basically tells his old lady he's doing this... And do some crazy shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, Doctor Sanko starts re- starts appealing to his uh, like street roots. Like, we're we're fighting the man there too. You know, we're fighting Whitey, the White Devil, the SS officer. See, he needed to be an SS officer. No, it would have made the whole plot much better. <laughs> if I was only born earlier, and me and Ron O'Neill were kicking, and I'd be like, instead, he's like a government soldier or something needed that like ss background like he, he could be whatever the fuck he is but like he needed that dark and a scar over his eye yeah <laughs> and maybe an eye patch too <laughs> yeah, a fucking eye patch on there and shit, man. but yeah a lot of the nazis actually escaped the like south african stuff so they were they were infiltrating at one point i mean that it would have yeah i mean i've done my research on world war ii that would have made complete fucking sense to do that but it would have Ron O'Neill was dude, like I said, he's sniffing fucking blow the whole movie, and it's like he was like, yeah, 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 we got the Lambo, we in Rome, uh, what else do we need? <laughs> like, we gotta tie in Africa somehow, brother. Oh yeah, we we I just I'm gonna get these white folks to pay for me to go to fucking Africa. Basically, that's I think that's what he made the whole movie for, so he could take a trip to Africa. You think he actually went to Africa? Because this this all the shots of him like smiling down at them and like nodding his head didn't seem to match up with all the shots of Africa. <laughs> that was dog footage. Yeah, there was like a th- there was like a hundred scenes of like little kids getting water and pails and stuff, and then they cut back to him and he'd be smiling at him like, yeah, I'm the man. You guys are so cute. Like fucking native chick that was getting water without like a top on. He's like, yeah, people, my people. <laughs> but we're led to believe that he flew down to Africa to go check it out himself. Right, because then he goes back. I'm like, what the fuck? You just flew down there, and then he goes back to Rome, and the next scene you get is him fucking at the card tables again doing blow. It's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but that's where he uh he beats old boy old boy's yeah he starts up in the stakes and up in the stakes look at his card right yeah he cheated and then oh not ron not ron's character but the 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 other i don't know italian dude or whatever i'm guessing like he uh yeah he looked at his card and he thought oh i got this motherfucker beat and uh what did he do? He took it up to a hundred grand or ten grand or whatever. I think it, the final like haul was two hundred thousand. Fucking priest wasn't fucking around. He's like, put your money where your nose is. <laughs> <laughs> I like, and when he started beating them, the rich white guy goes, gives him like a two of spades, and he goes, a spade for a spade. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, I, I guess that's you know that's kind of the ulterior subplot of the movie, like yeah. keep. But yeah, basically, old boy is like 
goes up to him after the game. He's like, oh, can I take a couple days to get you the money? And he's like, all I want, he's, all Priest wants is the guns. You yeah. Know? Which, which is actually worth about half of what he would have won in that card game, so. Well, I mean, with the weapons, obviously this dude knows where to get them and shit. He can probably get him for nothing. So. Right. That's why Dr. Sunko, I think, went to him, but he, then he said no. He, like, told him, no, like, forget it. I'm not doing it. So jumping, jumping ahead, I guess, like they get, they load the fucking weapons up and then take them down, right? Down yeah. to Africa. And then another shootout scene, right? At the airport. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and they're sneaking them in. I liked the people that are smuggling it. They're like, it's not drugs, right? It's not drugs. Cause we won't do it if it's drugs. <laughs> I'm like, okay, they're fine with like automatic weapons or grenades that'll automatically kill and main people, but. No drugs. I'm not smuggling drugs. <laughs> like, there better not be blowing that fucking gun barrel. No, in <laughs> there. Oh, that's cool. So they disguised it, and they were, supposedly they were um, bringing like oranges and apples and bananas and stuff in. I think it's more about the decoy because he had decoy crates. Because there was yeah. there's a crowd at the airport. Priest is the only one there left. They fucking uh, SS dude and his troops come in, and they search the boxes and all they find is what oranges. Yeah, like so nothing. Decoy box. I think they said they're empty. Actually, some of them were, but he yeah. pulls out whatever out of one of them. I was paying attention to some of this, although I didn't <laughs> catch the fucking scene at the restaurant because it was just whack. But oh, the scene right before that. No, no, I'm oh. talking about earlier when you're talking about the oh. cars. Oh yeah. I told yeah. That scene, because I was like, this guy's fucking singing on like whack, and I must have just tuned out completely. Yeah. <laughs> that scene was whacked. I just love the part where he's behind bars and he goes, "Well, ain't this some shit?" Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that scene, but this, of course, perks my interest because we've got grill soldiers and shootout scenes. And I must say, the explosions and the action are well done. Yeah, they're I mean, not bad actually. The budget was put in here, but uh, so yeah, the blade we- takes off under hail of bullets, right? But Priest gets left behind. And he gets taken prisoner or whatever, and they take him back to their, like, headquarters and uh, kind of torture him, huh? Like, rough him up, put the fist to him and shit, huh? Yep, definitely. They start off kind of nice, but then he fights back, so they really beat the shit out of him. And, uh, yeah, they're basically just interrogating him for information, but, you know, Priest, he ain't no snitch. He won't talk, so. Except in, in his coat, they find a card for Dr. Sonko. Yeah, hidden in hidden like uh some spot or whatever, and they 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 call the old boy and stuff and tell him, yeah, we got your man. Meanwhile, they throw priest in this jail cell thing, and like he uh remember he ends up waking up and rigging up some fucking electrical. <laughs> Firstly, like he's passed out, so for some reason they like the guards are like, let's throw a bucket of water on him, maybe that'll wake him up or something. So they throw a bucket of water on him, and then they just close the door and leave. They should have had him say. Some racist shit. Like we all know, black black people hate showers or something, <laughs> yeah, something like that. It got really racist. See, I mean, that's what I'm saying. If it was SS, I remember and- thinking at the time though, I'm like, why did they throw a bucket of water on him? Like, is that significant for some reason? <laughs> Probably. I don't. But know. he needed it to do his little uh, MacGyver trick later. He's thinking. He's he's, he's booby trapping. So, but I mean, like I said, like the first film had a, some racist shit going on. He's like. Where, uh, remember at the end where he's like, fuck you white motherfucker. Yeah. And, uh, needed that. You needed him to be like, you Nazi son of a bitch. Die. Yeah, totally. Like, you needed a reason, like, he's a Nazi. 
he's a gangster hustler from New York. You know what I mean? We needed that, um, we needed that, uh, back and forth and, uh, just dude being blonde haired and yeah. blue white and just a white devil wasn't good enough. He needed that SS uniform on him. I'm pushing for the remake, the, uh, <laughs> Black exploit, Nazi exploitation remake of uh, Superfly TNT. Definitely, because be- Priest in this movie isn't Priest from the first movie. He's it like, is, but it's, it's kind of, but not really. <laughs> well, except the fact that like Ron O'Neill, when he in the first film, he was constantly sniffing his nose. Like that was the only holdover was him. His nose was always clogged with blow. So. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> like even his dress change, now he just looked fruity. He's like wearing like women's like fur coats and stuff. They go like don't even go to his waist. <laughs> and he was doing too much coke and he got fucking I don't know, man. He just got lost in the moment, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you get your ass beat in New York and you know it. <laughs> so um yeah, Priest escapes and uh I don't know, kills everybody, right? Yeah, pretty much. He he sets up a thing where he he rips out the wiring from the the lights. Yeah. And he puts one half in the water, and then the he makes a noise, and the guard comes in, and he throws the other half of the live wire around his neck. Right, right. Electrocutes him and shit, which that wasn't too bad. And yeah, then, I get to see some little bolts and stuff. <laughs> what does he do to the main the main dude? What is I can't remember. What does well, he the do? second guy comes in, he grabs his knife. The second guy comes in, and when he's pulling out his thing, we actually get him to see, see him slit in his throat. The main guy? I can't... Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe he just, I don't think just... that he went after him. I think he, the main guy had left, right? Because he left the two guards just watching him. Um, so we don't even get, like, actually that, that revenge of the, the main guy, like, getting it or dying or anything. He just, like, leaves and doesn't come back. Come back in the SS, Superfly SS sequel that I'm working on. <laughs> He'll come back. But I like after this, he watches, walks, like, 12... Maybe like twelve or twenty paces outside the cabin, and all of a sudden, all these villagers pop up out of the grass and the trees. They're like, "Oh, we'll help you." <laughs> say anything. Like I thought they were gonna lynch him or something, or like yeah. take his clothes or something, or like beat him up some more. But they're yeah, like yeah. waiting just outside the cabin where he's being tortured, where the like government army guys like are running things, <laughs> just hiding in the bushes and the grass and everything. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, just a weird. Well, that ain't the end. I mean, we get the end where. The weapons are delivered and safely, and Priest brings his old lady to Africa. Ending. <laughs> Actually, I think he comes back from Africa, doesn't he? Because she's like waiting for him in the car. And she arrives on the plane. He didn't. I thought she did. Oh, I thought it was oh, okay. I don't know. Because he comes like out of a building, and she's like waiting in the car for him. Oh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I forgot to say, like before he goes to Africa, he mentioned that when he went down on his trip, they started calling him Mustafa Priest. <laughs> which Mustafa means like king or something like that or great leader or whatever and she goes okay I'll call you Moose for short <laughs> that made me laugh too dreams Mustafa I'll call you Moose for short <laughs> I'll him in Africa I'm a king I'm a- <laughs> yeah so we they don't actually show him like getting the guns to Sonko and you know, everything being okay. We, we're just assume, I guess. Yeah, I just assumed. Anyway, that was Superfly TNT, folks. That was the end, man. <laughs> the I mean, big I, villain doesn't get killed, and 
I'm not going to sit here and say run out and like track this down because it's only on VHS. I'm sure that this VHS, if you can get the, the hard copies, probably worth something. Um, is it, should you spend a fortune to obtain this? No. No. <laughs> hard warrant. No. <laughs> if you can find it on YouTube, watch it, I guess. Like, I don't know. Decide. I mean, if you're like a, Black exploitation completist, like I'm sure there's there are people out there that got to have every black exploitation. Oh, probably. Yeah, I would get it. I guess I'm kind of a completist. I'm happy I've got it, being a huge Superfly fan. But even for I've some got- of the actors, like their early roles, like like at the two I mentioned, you know Benson and and the guy who played Doctor Sanko. Two movie dudes that you grew up on. Well known, yeah. As soon as you see him, you'll be like, oh, I know him from like a lot of things. It's kind of funny. Do you remember? Do you remember the TV show A Different World? Heard of that one? Never seen it. I think it was like a spinoff from the Cosby's, where the kids go like go to college or something. I just thought it was interesting looking at IMDb that Ron O'Neill, um, and the guy who plays Doctor Sonko and Benson are all in that show together, like many years later. Working together. Yeah. yeah. I assume they're on the you know the show at the same time. I, mean, I guess I won't say it's terrible. Like. If you cut all the filler scenes out, I guess. Like, Strebo said it was terrible. <laughs> I'll eh. just say it had its moments, but I didn't really care for it very much. Yeah, it's got pretty much no rewatchability. Like, I don't know, we covered it, but I hadn't even, like, actually, I hadn't even seen it, you know, and I just was like, well, it's a direct. And you're like, let's do it, and then, you like, two weeks later, you're like, oh, no, I haven't seen it before. I was like, oh, okay. Hey, well, I mean, I had scanned through it. I knew, I kind of knew what direction they were going in with it. I knew it wasn't going to be like the first film, so that's probably why I waited so long to watch it. <laughs> probably that it wasn't like the first one, but and like I said, you know, here we're always about digging for gems and like obscure shit, and this is like, obscure. There's probably people out there who've been like, "Hey, I've heard of that. I've been wanting to see that," and like we can just give you a play-by-play review of what happened, so you don't have to suffer through it, you know. <laughs> Just throw on the original. Just pretend that's actually there's a part three, but it don't have Ron O'Neill on it, and it's about. Um, he was talking about that in the interview too. He was he's offered to be in that movie, but he turned it down. Yeah, well, I mean that's too bad and everything. Because did you ever see that film? Um, fuck, what the hell is it called? It's got um, Roundtree Williamson and Ron O'Neill and like um their buddies. It's from the nineties. Um, I don't know if fucking Mario Van Peebles directed. It feels like one of those movies he might have done. Like, they're buddies, and like, I can't remember if it's Fred Williamson or Richard Roundtree. Like, some bad shit's going down in his neighborhood, and he needs help, so he at, like calls in his buddies, and it's yeah, it's like Ron O'Neill and Fred Williamson or or Roundtree. I don't remember. It's been a long time, but that would. I mean, to be honest with you. I would count almost that as like a super fly. Like basically, just pick what character your favorite of Williamson, Roundtree, and and Ron O'Neill, and pick your favorite characters that they played in a movie, and there's the character on screen. Like Ron yeah. O'Neill, priest. Like for for the most part, I would say Fred Williamson. Now oh, he's just the hammer. I mean, he, he's he's the same in every movie. Like he's <laughs> the hammer. That's why you love it. Like it could be. It could be a Western period piece. You're hitting the hammer. <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing so. Didn't Ron O'Neill play like a Spanish general guy or something in Red Dawn? Yeah, Red Dawn. Yeah, some major A-list. I watched it on Thanksgiving, actually, because, um, you know, they got that that remake out, and I'm like, well, fuck the remake. I'm, I'm watching the original, you know. Yeah. 
That's what I'm talking about. So, and uh, Patrick Swayze, R.I.P. Motherfucker. <laughs> My favorite Swayze movie, like Dirty Dancing, Roadhouse. Come on, Red Dawn. Yeah, I like Red Dawn. Dawn. Yeah, basically. Um. So yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. That's that's the review for TNT, and uh, I don't know. We'll come back with a with an outro, I guess. Huh? Sounds like a plan, man. Uh, roll us out, Dale Roy. All right, guys, you're listening to Exploited Cinema, and keep it funky. Cost was closer to like three hundred thousand dollars. Fly TNT. Why wasn't it as successful as Superfly One? Um, mostly because it wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think it was? Was it the writing or the directing or what exactly? Oh, uh, it couldn't have been the directing because I directed it. See there, so now it we know. Couldn't have possibly. Been that. <laughs> uh, it was a it was a composite of things. Uh, I share some of the blame. I the there was a, I was under a great deal of pressure mm-hmm. and criticism as a result of Superfly. The whole idea of the drugs and and the idea that I was glorifying the gangster right. uh-huh. or something. So I I went away from a winning formula. I learned something about movies. Yeah, I went away from a winning formula. I myself, along with Alex Haley, who we brought mm-hmm. in, co-authored the script, and the producer he put his two cents in too. So mm-hmm. it was a movie kind of made by a committee. Yeah. It's like a, you know we make an animal. You know an animal that's made by a committee. Mm-hmm. It's called a giraffe. <laughs> okay, that's what it looks like. So the. I lost my fans, mm. the people that, that liked the elements of Superfly. Mm-hmm. And I, I was shooting, you know, uh, Roman statues. and uh, But it was part, Superfly was originally was pretend to be part of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, Superfly TNT was meant to be part two. And it was meant to be a part three. Is that the return of Superfly? No, God, no. I was not in that book. Okay. Not and why that. weren't you in that movie? Well, if anyone who saw that film would know. Were you asked to be in yes, the Return of Superfly? And can you tell us exactly what happened? Or? I I passed on the film. I didn't uh, I didn't have any input into the script, and okay. uh, and uh, it didn't make much sense to me. You know. Mm-hmm. Was Abby? This was Abby. <laughs> A woman loved and in love until that night, when something evil came looking for a soul to possess. I can't stop thinking about your husband. (laughs) That creep. Forget him. Was this Abby? Now the fun starts. Grab her. Hold her. Hear me, demon. Leave this woman body! Abby, rated R. Do you still believe in horror, exploitation, sleaze and cheese, and all that goes with it? If so, come check out Behind the Mask Podcast. And if you don't believe, we'll make you believe. Check out your ultimate guide to movies, music, and nostalgia at BehindTheMaskPresents.com. 
Wi-Fi <laughs> No, man, this is what happens when you live in fucking Bigfoot country. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people don't know, but that's true. People believe in Bigfoot around here. I fucking heard him sing the tracks myself, but we have a price to pay, and there's very limited uh, high-speed internet out here. When everybody's at fucking at home on Sunday night, they're all on the internet, and it just drains everything, and it fucks things up. <laughs> What about that? What, you smelling the skunk, skunk ape around there? <laughs> hey, no joke. I have seen the tracks. I've seen huge fucking foot tracks <laughs> back in the day, man. This is Bigfoot. There's all kinds of stories of Bigfoot wandering through the woods out here. Up north, we've got a thing called Dogman. So that's that's our uh, cryptozoology character or whatever. And oh yeah, I remember hearing about that. Area. I'm sure that's a. I'm sure there's been sightings of that kind of creature in Canada too. So, like a like a werewolf, wolf, dog, yeah. uh, shapeshift thing, and Native Americans talked about it too. So, yeah, I actually believe it or not, I do. Uh, I do believe in some of them fucking things. I think they're. Um, I don't know what the fuck they are. That's something that's uh, some kind of uh, species of. I think they're intelligent too. That they haven't been. Uh, quite classified yet and and studied so i like the sam squanch <laughs> sam squanch <laughs> that trailer park boys uh, <laughs> trailer park boys just sam squanch that's what bubbles calls him sorry yeah. dale <laughs> it's cracked now oh, he's he's he get the reference yeah. yeah sorry it's lost on me i already know it so well, I was thinking you guys talked about Trailer Park Boys on an episode before. Uh, it was probably J-Dog. J-Dog was all about it. was J-Dog and what? He's trying to get me on it, hardcore. I know Dale's a diehard fan. I. It's not like I've Believe never, it or not, though, I only awesome. seen it for the first time about like two years ago. I seen one episode <laughs> of the one where they were trying to fucking grow pot in the fucking or whatever that's like every episode almost <laughs> all the see all the episodes are on uh netflix yeah. by the way i mean so that's I what I, I went binged watched the, all seven episodes all seven seasons like back to back oh yeah they go by quick yeah you sad when they run out huh when it first no, came no, out no, i passed always, there's always other stuff to watch other yeah. stuff to do man does not live by netflix alone yeah, I don't even have Netflix anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Uh, You're living behind the fucking times, man. Netflix is the shit. It's not. I had it before. I was staying in my pop's house, but uh, you know, I moved, and they don't rock Netflix here. But uh, they do have good internet, and I'm torrent, torrent uh, hopping. But I don't watch anything, you know. Like I ain't even on board with it. It ain't because I don't want to be. It's just because I don't know. I think I'm just going to have to wait till the end of American Horror Story to really just get on board. I'm just going to catch them up, and I planned on downloading. And the Walking Dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's back burner, though. I need to get I need to get fucking the new season of Dexter too. You know what I mean? Like that's Dexter's top priority. You know what I mean? No, I'm I might... watching. I'm watching that too, but yeah, Walking Dead's got to be front. Yeah, I'm jealous, motherfucker. Is that season kicking off good or what? Yeah, it's, is it... it is good. Ah, don't. It's, there's it. like so many like subplots going on. It's like. Did it get deeper into fucking Deb and Dexter's a little weird? 
Nah, don't, don't tell me. Don't there's tell me. There's a whole me. bunch of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell me either. I'm. No, I'm not going to tell you guys. So there's just a lot of. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> now I'm telling. I'm telling Bat. Not okay. tell me. Don't, don't fucking spoil Dexter for me. I'm going to get caught up on Dexter one day, but I'm I'm almost caught up on Walking Dead, but uh, wow, not American Horror Story. I watched the first episode for this season. I wasn't blown away by it. I had to kind of like, learn to accept it. My yeah. wife loved this. She was like, "This is so good." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I got I got to finish watching the rest of the episodes. I have them. A lot DVR'd. of people didn't seem to realize it wasn't going to be in the house this year, though. I knew. Yeah, but... well, that's that's the risk, you know. I mean, I, I was, I I was curious how thought. they were going <laughs> to rebuild it every every year, but you know, yeah. they did the smart thing, bringing in some of the same cast members. So yeah. you know, you've still got yeah. Jessica Lang and uh, the guy that plays. Uh, Ah oh, shit! I can't remember the kid's name, but that's gonna help. Plays Tate. Tate, yeah. Huh? Do you think that's gonna help or hurt the show in the long run? Uh, probably hurt in the long run because shows live in TV shows live and die by the actors. I mean, people get into the cult of the actor, but I don't know. Soap operas have survived beyond actors, but you know, so who knows? It's a balance. You have to wait and see how it plays out. I guess. Didn't they, as the world turns, got canceled like a couple years ago or something and been on for so many years, so it's just, it's still death nails for that shit, so they get canceled. Fuck if I know, man, fucking, when it comes to soap operas, it's like, you know, sewer rat may taste like fucking pumpkin pie, but I'll never know because I'll never eat the filthy motherfuckers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Same, same thing over here, man. <laughs> I'm recording, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> good, good, good. This will be, this is the outro for episode, what is this, 43, 44? <laughs> I want to say 44. I think, I think you're up to 44 because I'm actually at 36 with MVP, so I'm catching up with you. So MVP Mutant Radio is catching up. So well, you put out like 10 in October, yeah, I put out seven in October. <laughs> you guys got to put out more episodes. Yeah, but I, you also put out little, little well, we're cutting little back <laughs> joints. You roll like little pinner joints. We roll like a fucking log. <laughs> that's true. I, I will tip my hat to the three-hour episodes of Exploited Cinema because that's that's yeah, real. It's and this. The, I know the show the shit log of content. <laughs> the next show will probably be another two-parter. So I don't know. It'll get out of hand again. So somehow it always gets out of hand. Help us, Strebo. Help us stay on under an hour and a half, please. <laughs> fucking know how to do that. I think I made the uh, Kubrick episode extra long. That was fucking crazy. It wasn't supposed to be a two-part episode, but you know how it rolls, you know. And it's, I'll bring you on, and actually it'll be... You're it's talking to the guy who was on the Halloween episode, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man, you helped, you helped that fucking, you helped that six and a half hour blunder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was probably just my fault from being, it's being my first time on a podcast. I mean, I'd actually never been on anything other than, you know, MVP stuff prior to that, which is always just you us. Know? Yeah, I think I heard Axel from Profondo talking about it on there. He was like, man, we just came, we just watched the movie, didn't write anything down. And he's like, Jamie came and he had like a dissertation <laughs> every movie. <laughs> They're like, damn! I felt like underprepared. Yeah, he. Uh, I think that's. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he was the first one to bust the piss jug out. So, uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> God, I gotta take. I like. Over. I like those guys. I like the Profondo guys and uh, like Axel. Yeah. Appreciate you busting my cherry there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, you got the. Well, actually, y'all took turns. So you got the uh, Mutantville radio. Is is Mutant Radio's going strong? MVP Mutant Radio. Nobody can seem to say the name though. <laughs> That's the one thing that bothers me from a branding standpoint. I just call it Mutant Radio, but I, I thought I think it's gonna, you got, originally. Yeah, that's what it's because it you got be, Mutantville and then Mutant, and they're like, yeah. you kind of want to mix them together. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have just gone with Mutantville Radio, but I wanted to do MVP Radio, but of course there was all, that was already taken, and same with Mutant. So I thought MVP Mutant, you know, combine it all together. I was gonna call it Mutant Radio, uh, the Muties. <laughs> Damn right. No, we, this, really that's where we have the three titty green alien chicks. Have we gotten a chance to really horror that show on air? Or you mentioned in the past, or oh, well, in passing reference. <laughs> I mean, uh, I actually mentioned, I mentioned actually a good bit of the history of uh, of the MVP association with exploited cinema on my Halloween episode, Murder by Music, because I talked about how uh, yes, you did. my first my first outside podcast appearance was on exploited cinema. And uh, how that led into MVP Mutant Radio. So, I listened to all the MVP Radio Mutant Radio episodes. Thank you, sir. Yes, you give me a lot of good feedback, so I appreciate. It. I've uh, I've caught a few episodes here and there. I'm sorry. I want to I want to get onto that uh, the Halloween episode, but it's just, uh, dude, I don't take offense. I don't. I tell like I tell everyone, like everyone's on the show. They're like, yeah, we, you're to do a show. I'm like, I don't listen to any podcasts. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just haven't. I've been busy, but like, one, there will come a day when I'm hopefully not soon, but or maybe I'm sitting on my ass and collect unemployment or something, and I'll have all this free time again. Like I've been downloading, I download movies and stuff, and I'm like, or I'll buy them, and I'll be like, someday I'm gonna, I'm gonna be glad I bought that because I'll be sitting around and it'll be like a month stretch where I'm gonna be bored out of my mind, and I'll just dig into the collection, right, right, and, and I'll be throwing podcasts, and I'll be like commenting and you're like dude that fucking episode was from a year ago i'm like it's by a fucking brand new for me man like <laughs> <laughs> well you'll eventually come back to the dread episode when you change your mind no i've already I, I, that I tore into that already I, yeah that was one i had to tear into because i was like really was it really that sleazy like because you were on it plus well it, <laughs> yeah i, I quoted well, you, you off that. my intro too <laughs> if i if i uh if you listen to my intro yeah i gave a pretty good breakdown of uh the judge dread Universe in that. Uh-oh. We lost him again. <laughs> lost him. No, I'm still here. Oh, oh, okay. He's just yeah, messing with us this time. We thought we thought it was a. Uh, I thought I bumped my head again, but no, it didn't happen. Fell out. Um, <laughs> yeah, you had a good now, one with the sci-fi one too, with your friend on. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, I try to do the show with themes, you know, so it's, I tell people it's like a circus, you know, you might, you might want to see the jugglers, but here's the, you know, here's the tightrope, the high walk, walking act, you know, here's the trained elephants, you know, here's the zebra that tries to fuck the lady in the clown outfit. I mean, you know, everybody's going to have their different tastes. So, you know, listen to the episode that appeals to you. Here's the, cor- here's the Corey G. Jester in the Walking Dead episode. Hey. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was that was a funny episode that we brought Corey G on, and we. By the way, he, he he knew I was recording tonight, so he messaged me, and he's like, "I hope you taped The Walking Dead while we're, ta- we're recording." <laughs> hey, did you see they got fucking they got Michael fucking Rooker for an interview over at? Yeah, PCS. that was fucking awesome too. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm like, "Holy fuck!" What? It was good. Rooker was killer. I'm hoping there's some fucking. I mean, yeah, he's gonna pimp Walking Dead and everything, but I'm hoping there's some fucking. Uh, 
Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer action on there. Oh, fuck. I'm, they didn't I'm, even actually talk that much Walking Dead. Oh, okay, good. It's all about Henry or what? <laughs> no, well, it's about everything like Slither. They're friends of Slither, so they wanted to talk about that. Dark, a little bit of dark. Yeah, Slither is badass, guys. Yeah, Rook I saw Slither in the theater, too. I mean, you, nobody went to see that fucking Yeah, movie. I never saw it, but I, I didn't know it had Rooker in it either, so. Yeah, he was the main big bad guy. Lots yeah, stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, well, you know, I know how it goes, man. I hardly get to listen to anything. You know, I try to download some shit and put it on my player. So when I'm when I'm driving and I'm like, okay, I got time to listen to something now, you know, I can play a little something. And usually I try to get caught up on exploited cinema. And I listen to a lot of my own show, to be honest with you, to make sure the shit's good. And yeah. plus, I, I love how the you can improve it. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, like you're doing – I um. You did another soundtrack, uh, like, esque episode before, and I, d- I picked, that was one of your early ones, right? Or was that a vlog? I can't remember. The first, yeah, the first Murder by Music was, okay. was a vlog, yeah. and then I archived it as MP3 and put it up as the show. And then when I did the Halloween episode, that was volume two of Murder by Music, which, by the way, I, I really enjoyed putting that together. What did you think of that, Dale? You got, you got I to liked check it. that out. It was cool. Cool. You play well, like the full like song. You, you talk about the scene that like it's from basically, and then in the movie, <laughs> and then you play the whole song in between. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I was always a big fan of the murder by of uh, the music and horror shows on Canadian Ferox, and then the you guys did the fourth yeah. fourth volume on Exploited Cinema, and I always enjoyed that. Even the fourth one, it, even though it had all those wacky songs that were all different, you <laughs> know, the same uh, had the same spirit in it. I guess. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Even you know, I like the J Dogs because I'd never heard that Dead Time story thing before. <laughs> <laughs> And I just thought that was great. Uh, yeah, leave it to J Dog to dig up something that should have been fucking long forgotten. <laughs> yeah, you guys were giving them a hard time, were you? Well, shit, they it ragged sucks. on me on all my shit. So yeah. they're like, yeah, they they were like, what the fuck? This is whack. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's good times. I I enjoy putting that together, and uh, I'll probably do more episodes of that future and actually i'll go ahead and say it on here um i haven't re- revealed it yet but for my christmas episode i'm going to do trailers i'm going to do my favorite trailers to play the full trailer so it's gonna be cool that's awesome man you're getting really into more clip clip oriented uh features and actually when you because you messaged me and told me about that sorry i didn't get to respond back on that i just haven't been on this weekend and stuff so i didn't really get to hit back but i did read that message and thought Son of a bitch. How come I never thought of that as like a quick filler episode? <laughs> That's genius, though. It is. I, I've, and, yeah. I, has it been done before or on any other shows? I don't, or is I don't that think so. I mean, if you go to, like, yeah. Trailers from Hell, the website, they just kind of feature just just trailers. But I don't think anybody's ever t- used the podcast format to feature trailers. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, for 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 me, from from the creative standpoint, I I watch a lot of trailers and I listen to them too because I'm constantly trying to think of how do I sell my own shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Because there's a you have to find that balance between how do I tell people enough of the story to get them interested, but not too much where I take away the surprise of all the things that are going to happen. So it's like you have to play, kind of play hide and seek, and so that means just constantly watching trailers and listening to them and. 
Like I've got a bootleg that I got offline uh, that's all slasher trailers. It's fucking awesome. So it has like all of the Nightmare on Elm Street trailers and all the Friday the 13th trailers and all mm. the obscure stuff or not so obscure or whatever. But like My Bloody Valentine and uh, the uh, uh, Happy Birthday to Me, you know, and so be on, Christmas so on. Halloween films or. I'm going to do a Christmas block. Okay. If you listen to my, my Halloween episode, I did them in blocks. So they're in mm-hmm. themes so that if you, you know, you listen to the episode and then later you want to go back to it and you might have a favorite section, you can kind of like skip to that section. You know, I had a modern section and I had kind of a, a rock section. I, I had a five Barker section and a yeah. Rob Zombie section. <laughs> uh-huh. I put the Rob Zombie last so that J-Dog could turn it off. That's why I did <laughs> So you say he turned it off at that point. Because if I put it up front, you know, never would listen to yeah, it. Yeah, you can have your tuning out. But, that, but uh, the second song I played on that was actually the Susie X theme song from The Haunted World of El Superbiso, which is an awesome fucking movie, by the way. I don't know which, about uh, it being an awesome movie, but the soundtrack's all right. There's some good – I guess I hate on that too much. Uh, it's a, I, it's I like a total it's, uh, Ralph Baskey throwback. I don't see how you couldn't enjoy it. I well, let me explain myself on this one. It's uh, I like the uh, like the first viewing. I didn't think that I had rewatchability, but that was just my opinion. So it, it I am sorry. It I just, saw it in the theater. It okay. played the theater, and then uh, I I got the Blu-ray. So it's it's just fun, man. The songs are fun. There's a lot of references for horror fans. You know, he drives over, you know, at one point, El Super Bisto drives over Michael Myers, and it's like the Rob Zombie version. He, like, splats him. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of funny shit. There's a scene where uh, Jack Otis, Otis Firefly up. meets, uh, his, what's her fucking name, Vera, or what's her name from Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, yeah, the, main, yeah. the main girl. I mean, there's just all kinds yeah, of Jack Nicholson and the fucking from the Shining and the fucking yeah. bar with the axe the and the fly, and you got the the Gill Man, you know, giving uh, eating out the uh, guy from Frankenstein underwater. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's sleazy as fuck as a cartoon. It's awesome. Yeah, it's you awesome. know what I liked about it, what drew me in with it, and I like I said, it, it's, I just don't, I don't think it has a lot of rewatchability. But I say, I'll say that I loved it the first time around. Um but yeah, it's got a lot of that little, just, hey, what's going on in the background shit? Like, I don't know if you guys are into, I don't know, do you watch Adult Swim or, or not, Strebo? I've watched some stuff from Adult Swim. Super like Jail? Venture Brothers. Super Jail? Oh, no, no. uh, man, you guys gotta get on some Super Jail, like, seriously, like, I, maybe I can find you, like, a, I've heard that's good. I've heard about it, yeah. But just for the artwork, it takes me back to, like, uh, mid-90s MTV, those weird, like animation blocks they'd put on and stuff like that. Liquid just TV. Yeah, Liquid TV. I was talking to Dale about the Max. I've got all 13 episodes of that. I, I uh, grew up on the Max. And Sam Keith. The Head. Did you watch The Head? Yeah, I, I really like the Max because it was adapted from a comic book by Sam Keith, who was the writer and artist, and it was like a straight adaptation. Did the comic come before? I've got a bunch. I've been picking up a bunch. Yeah, the comic was before. I picked before, up about yeah. 10 of them uh, recently. It's not all in order, but I mean, like the first, uh, I'd say sixteen. Give yeah, or take. and it's almost literal adaptation. It's a, it's translation right in the cartoon. It's awesome. It's really good. Do you have the? I know they put out a DVD recently of Max, uh, but I don't know if it's restored. I got basically. <laughs> 
episodes. I've got the 13 episodes burned, but are you, are you, I've got the old bootleg of it. I actually yeah. bought it back in the old days of bootleg, you know, when you had to go to conventions and just get bootlegs. And I bought it back then because it wasn't available on DVD, you know, and, but I do have the commercial VHS of it though. Maybe that's what it's from is the, cause whatever I have have the little, um, on next week on the max. And I don't know if that was on the DVD. I know I got this. I ripped all these and they don't have MT, the MTV logo in the corner. So I'm wondering it must be off the VHS. Cause I remember them VHSs actually. I think the head came out in that form too. Um, but it, as well as a lot of the Beavis and Butthead episodes. But yeah, this doesn't have no logos in the corner. It's pretty clean, but yeah, it's got those, those tie-ins in between and i just that's nostalgia man i don't i was pretty young at the time uh i think it came out in 94 5 right i was a wee lad tuning in 93 is when it started you remember when they they used to come on around i think 11 o'clock or noon somewhere there on saturday right Am I right or am I wrong? Somewhere I don't else. know. It was part of the of a, of a specific show. It wasn't Liquid Television. It was called something else. I don't, I don't remember what it was they called. Head and the Max because they were both what fifteen minute. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I didn't well, like the head though. I thought the artwork was shitty. Though. It was <laughs> crass. It was rough. But it's there were some good plot lines there. I, the second season got cl- uh, better. I think that they had a better. Not nah, the plots. The plots weren't better. It was like little individual stories, but the artwork did. I'd say so. Dale, you're. I take it you're not. You're not a comic book reader at all. You're not. You didn't watch the Max or anything. You said I've never seen it. <laughs> get, get on it. Buy that fucking Max DVD, dude. I don't know. It's kind of pricey. You never saw the comic. Not that I remember. Get I did collect it. comics for a while, but it was. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> You gotta get yourself on that. We need to, we need to do a animation episode here, Strebo. I've been talking about Fuck this. yeah. What well, you want to do? Rutsodeki, the legend of the super fiend. What's that? Of the over fiend? Let me on to that. What's that? Uratsuki Doji. Let me see. Let me say the title right. Uratsuki Doji, the legend of the over fiend. What's that about? That's like the original hentai movie that when they call it, when they say tits and tentacles, uh-huh. uh, it's essentially oh Jesus, how do I break this down? About this guy and this girl who get involved in this plan by this cosmic overlord demon to come to Earth and fuck every Earth woman that he finds and begin some kind of intergalactic Armageddon. And there's, there's tentacles and rape involved in every scene. 70? In every scene. <laughs> Tentacles and rape Tentacle in every scene. Porn. Okay. Uh, no, it's from like uh, 86 or oh. 88 or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's hot summer. It's the, the original. It's the original. It's the original. Have I talked to you about... Uh... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dale. Oh, I said, what, so yeah, it's hot you... summer in the city with aliens? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Rasuki Doji is a good one, though. That or Wicked City or something like that. Those oh, are... I love Wicked City. Are you yeah. a Vampire Hunter D fan or what? Yeah, Vampire Hunter D is badass. Have yeah. you watched that sequel? I think it came out in the early 2000s. Yeah, sequel's good. Yeah. Fucking awesome, man. We need to cover those, too. And then there was a video game, but I never got on the video game or anything. But I think that, awesome. I think that video game brought that to the mainstream to an extent, so. There's a lot of sleazy anime out there, mm-hmm. man. If you, if you get in stuff like Gantz, which is just totally bizarre from a from a linear narrative point of view but it also has like all these greasy elements like it's got mobsters in it and stuff and like naked chicks with dogs trying to eat their pussies i mean mm. it's crazy it's pure exploit cinema 
Have you seen some of them Russian uh, animated films and stuff? I got a whole fucking night download a whole. A friend of mine sent me a video of a DVD of those. I haven't had a chance to check them out because I know not what these porns you speak of. It's some weird shit though. Yes, I know you're you're totally legit. uh, Legit, uh, you fly you fly high. So I just let my friends send me DVDs. So that's probably the best. You're probably your best solution. Like I'm crime bossing it over here. And uh, hey, fuck it, I don't care. I'll rob a bank if I have to. If I think that they have some um, rare ex- exploitation films hidden in a vault, you know. I mean, I'm a <laughs> money and all, but like, I'm looking for them rare fucking. I'm looking for them rare 35 millimeter prints hidden away in a lockbox somewhere. So I'll rob them at gunpoint. <laughs> right on. So um, no, nah, man. Uh, we we yeah, we need to get into some animation. Have you seen that film from? Uh, I think it's. Mid seventies, Fantastic Planet. I think it's a European film. That's some yeah, weird yeah. I think shit. it's actually French. Yeah, French. Yeah, that's some weird shit. I think we that's need to cover some movie. some stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, seems LSD inspired. <laughs> yeah, well, that that kind of stuff would be. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, that's all all kinds of crazy stuff. And and uh, man. When you, if you just want to talk sleazy movies, I mean, there's just so many out there that you can get into, like stuff that people don't even, don't even think about so much. And even some things like, like some of Clive Barker's work, you know, you guys have never talked about, about Barker and he has all this. this trying to get us on the Barker, man. (laughs) We did do some reading material at one time with the the Ruffy Bible. So maybe we could, maybe me and Dale pick up a few, uh, Barker books and sit down and hunker down. It'll take us a few months to read them. <laughs> and, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, there's Roger Corman, all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, right I know you've been always trying to get me on the Corman. I need mainly if I'm diehard Corman, like it's uh it's the '70s exploitation shit. Like I'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. Death Race 2000. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yep. And uh, yeah, we can get that rocking out eventually. I know you're like you you've got the the wet dream, the exploited cinema wet dream episodes, mate. We should let you come on and design an episode up one of these days, like straight from the mind. Yeah, that'd be cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'll make make you guys review Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down, but I'm a Jedi fan. So. <laughs> oh no, was hardcore into Star Wars. I love. I'm man. I love the spinoff shit like Ewok Adventures. So. <laughs> right on. Yeah, that's how diehard I am. So. I love right the on. original trilogy, but yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about this once before. I think Return's the weakest of the three. But. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. I have to agree with the original trilogy, but that's only because the first two are, are so fucking yeah, awesome. awesome. Well, but the, the opening of Jedi is fucking awesome, man. Peter Luke, Luke going into fucking Jabba's palace. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Epic. Speeder bikes. Where were you at? Speeder bikes are badass. Okay, there we go. We got the acknowledgement. All right. I love the I love the part where where Luke slices the one and as the, as the trooper's going by on the bike and he like slices it in half and the guy crashes. That's just badass. You see blood. There needed to be more blood. It was too kid friendly. There needed to be fucking massive amounts of fucking blood. What, I think that's what I didn't like about that movie. You know, I still liked it. Well, that's because the lightsaber, like, some nerd would be like, well, the lightsaber cauterized the wound, so there's no blood. <laughs> right. It needed to be more like Ice Pirates. Ice Pirates was kind of like the exploited cinema version of Star Wars. 
I had a copy of that movie, but I was like, I'm never going to watch this. I saw that in the theater as a kid, man, and I was totally disturbed by it. It was the first time I heard the term herpes. You know, <laughs> this is the first time I thought about castration. I mean, there are a lot of fucked up <laughs> concepts in that movie. It really disturbed me. I was going into it thinking, hey, Star Wars, <laughs> and it's not like that at all. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to check out Ice Pirates too. They're so you're throwing out so many references. It'll the Bloodbath guys did that. I, yeah, I, they did. Yeah, they did. Uh, the Bloodbath and Boomstick guys did. Kyle, that, Kyle so. got his mom on to talk about it on the podcast. Oh, he didn't call the dude <laughs> from down the street, or no, no, he called his mom. He's like, "Tell me the story about space herpes, mom." <laughs> <laughs> I just had my mom on my on uh, MVP Mutant Radio. Speaking of which. I brought her on to talk about Cloud Atlas because nobody else has fucking seen it. Would you and your mom go and see it, or she just saw? Well, it? I, I saw it a few weeks ago, and I, I told her, I said, "Mom, you should check this out." And I took her to see it. We had a good time too. We had fucking Greek food beforehand, and uh, we went to one of those theaters where you can drink in them. So we had a beer and wine and shit, and checked out the movie. It's almost three hours long, but it's you fucking had the beer, epic. she had the wine. I take it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah classy yeah strebo showed me the trailer and after i watched the trailer i said it's got to be like close to three hours right and he's like yeah <laughs> wow it's a fucking awesome movie i think it's like uh one of the best movies of the year wow that's hardcore wow that you've said that though yeah i thought awesome. prometheus was the top one this, this is overriding prometheus <laughs> Uh, well, I'm not going to say that because it's going to be part of my Christmas and New Year's uh, show. Uh, one of those, I'm going to do a countdown. I'm going to tell everybody what my favorite, how I rank them for the year. But it's up there with Prometheus. It's there. They're contending for top positioning. Yeah, you damn near seen everything. You didn't go and see that Silent Hill uh, sequel, though, did you? Now, that's the funny thing. I did not go see uh -huh. any did. major horror releases from October. I did did I talk that. about that on the show? Because I did go and see that in 3D, actually. No, I don't think you did talk about that. Oh, okay. Fucking terrible. Skip it. Get Wait till the DVD comes out. It's fucking horrible, man. I've been waiting for the dollar theater on all of them. Sin on Sinister, Silent Hill 2, on Paranormal Activity 4, on The Possession. I'm, I'm just going to go to the dollar theater one Sunday and watch like three of them in a row. I ain't found no dollar theaters. Three bucks. Here. Yeah, dude. I oh, dude, I've got like five of them. I've got I need five. to track it. I'm sure there's one here in the Ville. I, I just need to track it down, but I ain't. Research, man. Dude, you got man, you got it down here. got the... Encyclopedia Brown that shit. Down in the... There it is. Down in the cell, man. You guys' fucking theaters are fucking... Man, up north, it was like seven seventy five to see a movie like in the regular theater, like new release, like... Man, it's, like, fucking expensive to watch a movie down here. I don't know, like, if it's just a city or if it's just, like, everywhere else. But, like, up north, seventy-seven, seventy-five was the fucking price to see a movie. Might have gone up to 8 bucks, but, like, down here it's, like, 8 9 10 fucking 3D movies, 12 It's, like, getting out of fucking hand. You're going to break me. I need to go to matinees, you know what I mean? <laughs> just to get that fucking $7 price, you know? So yeah, it's it's hard for a brother to make a dollar in the Reagan era, man. You know, that's all I can say. But it's, 
You know, I'll give you the, the, the benefit for being like at least a degree more south than, than we are in, uh, Tennessee mm. here in, uh, North Carolina. It's so. grimy. It's grimy. But, uh, it's, it's bad here too. But you gotta fuck it. You gotta be Sherlock and figure where that shit is, man. I know somewhere, somewhere there's a fucking theater near you. I mean, I've, I can, I can go north, south, east, or west and find one, you know. No, yeah, there's theaters. I just haven't found the dollar theaters yet. I'll probably have to go into some fucking hood or something where it's at. This would be fucking grimy as fuck just to watch a fucking cheap movie and shit. I'd be better off bootlegging it, though. If I gotta, that's the thing. If I gotta wait for it to be in the dollar theater, it probably ain't worth even fucking watching, dude. I mean, most of this shit, I, I mean, I'm probably not, but I like to review them that way. I've done a lot of double reviews from the dollar theater and I just knock them out back to back. It's cheap. It's, it's a cheap way to go if you're, you're into that. I know, uh, Goat, he covers newer movies too, doesn't he, Dale? Like, yeah. I think probably dollar theaters too, just so he can cover all that new shit. Like, here, you know, on Exploited Cinema, you know, we already kind of just stated that we, I'm not into that shit. I mean, I don't know, Dale, you're catching some of them. I mean, shit, I mean, I've been going to the movies more often and stuff, so, I mean. I'm yeah, what did J-Dog say? He said he hadn't seen a new movie in 10 years. Yeah, he's Yes, it's Grindhouse, he said. Yeah, he's fucking hardcore about it. He's adamant about, uh, I wonder if he went and seen Prometheus. I, I never got to ask him. I would, I would think. Oh, you know he didn't ask Prometheus. He should have. I know he's an, I think he's an alien fan, so I don't know why he wouldn't have gotten on that. But, mm. Yeah, I don't, man, there's so much good shit that he could have enjoyed, like Machete. Machete was fucking badass. Piranha 3D was badass. I mean, that's, that's a great Exploited Cinema double feature right yeah, there. Yeah, I love, I love Machete. Eh, it's, it's okay. Awesome. I was kind of disappointed, but <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I like Lindsay Lohan's boobies. I, that wasn't even the, hers, man. It was the chick from the fucking trailer, and they just like I don't know. I just, can imagine. Plus, I've seen the Playboy spread, so it's all good. Oh, she did a Playboy spread. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's she's stacked. Oh. I like Lindsay. She's yeah. What's that? What's that? She's what's on that? my list to potentially get Work coked up and and oh. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Assault her from behind. Um, what's the, what's the, what's the status of that? Up that other, uh, public message what's, you gave earlier. <laughs> what's the status on that? Rape is bad. Movie she was supposed to be in. She was supposed to be in some I was implying I was going to get her coked up and then fuck her. I wasn't going to rape her. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Tie her up. She's the type of girl you could tie up and not feel bad about, you know? Yeah. She's the kind of girl you take home to mom so she can kiss her. Oh, <laughs> what the hell are we talking about anyway? This I is have the, no this idea. This is the outro. It's just going to those bizarre, greasy places that only exploited cinema. We were go. talking about machete, but then you guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was basically like, fuck machete. But <laughs> speaking of machete, let's talk about Grindhouse because Grindhouse was kind of the signal of the end, the end of the the era of the geeks, so to speak. Grindhouse. Uh, I'll throw that out there because I think that the geeks didn't support it and it showed that, uh, you know, that the support that they had was only equal to $11 million, which is nothing in the larger scheme of things when you're talking about movies like Twilight doing, you know, uh, $150 million on an opening weekend. I don't know, man. For me, it was just Death Proof was all right. And like, 
Planet Terror. Planet Terror was badass, but the mere fact that they gave you two movies for the price of one, why did everybody not go see that? Because they don't know what the fuck's going on. They're like, what the fuck is this? What's the catch? You know what I mean? Do I got to, like, fucking give up my first porn? Or... They don't know nothing about that double feature shit unless, you know, they got to drive in in their area or something like that. It's just foreign to them. I think that's what it was. I think they were just, it was just foreign to them that, uh, or maybe they're just lazy and they're like, I don't want to sit through two movies because what is the, the average attention span of an American? Eight minutes? Isn't that what it is? There were some people that were like, they got numb ass. They wanted to leave. They left after the first movie. How dumb do you have to fucking be? Yeah. I still pack, go to the drive-in once in a while. So. Pack a lunch. I love driving, man. Pack yeah. a lunch is what I say, so... We actually, I actually live uh, close to a drive-in within a half an hour. I don't go because they never show a double feature I want to see. It's mostly kids kind of movies, family-oriented movies, so I just don't go. That's but, uh, Oh, wait. Did I see? Yeah, I saw Dread at drive-in, yeah. So, yeah, that's what she said, where you said you blew your load, and you said that several times on my show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm trying <laughs> to hold back on the load blowing, but... Uh, yeah, man, I don't know about the, I don't know, I don't know what, what the fascination with the driving, but it's just, I don't I know. Love I love mean, the driving. It's a fun experience. I love it too. Believe it or man. not, we got four in my area. That's awesome. The drive-ins need to make a comeback, like hardcore, like up, up in Michigan, there was only one drive-in, it was in Flint, so that was it. That's the only one left, you know? It's like they're fucking dying out and they need to make a comeback, like, I don't know. Maybe the, Maybe the drive-in projection technology needs to fucking take a step up or something. I don't know, but it well, it is. You know, the uh, I, I go to every year when we go to the Friday Night Film Fest. I go down to the the Georgetown Drive-in, mm-hmm. you know, which has been there for fifty fucking years. Yeah. Um, and they put on a great show. I mean, when you go out there, that you know, they've got the little the little playground up front in front of the. Uh, in front of the screen so that the kids can go up and play. They've had, they'll have yeah. bands on top of the roof of the, really? you know, of the grill. And then you they're know, tracking, and going, uh, prints down too, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, they, you know, they have their own collection of prints. Um, like the one, the one night, one year when we went, when this was in, in, uh, 2011, they had, um, <clears throat> they had Fonzie there from Happy Days. They played two episodes of Happy Days on 16 millimeter. And then they played American Graffiti on 35 millimeter. And it was fucking awesome. I mean, it was good times. Just fucking burgers and fries and, uh, deep fried red velvet Twinkies. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better. I mean, what's up with, under the stars? That's, that's some southern shit right there. Like I, I see at the drive-ins and like everywhere is like deep fried something. It's, it's, it's chicken fried down here, man. I, we fry yeah. everything in the right. south, yeah. man. It's fucking disgusting. Fried bologna. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> My only he- eating habits disgust me. I know how to eat properly, but, you know, there are just times where I have that mental weakness and I just don't do it. I, yeah. I love fried chicken too much. I hear you. <laughs> Speaking of fried chicken, this episode has been brought to you by Superfly. Dang. That's for J-Dog. That's Superfly chicken. <laughs> Damn it! Gonna start a new chain. Yep. <laughs> super fried. So speaking of super fly, before we uh, outro this motherfucker out, we did want to get your opinion on super fly TNT. The, the, the what you did see of it. it. It was awful, man. I could. I thought from the beginning. I thought 
that fucking Ron O'Neill was on coke. As soon as I saw his fucking <laughs> outfit when he was wearing those big furry boots. I know, Furry right? boots like a bitch in the 80s would be wearing. That little tiny, okay. like, girl's jacket with the fur on it. Yeah, it's like, what his the wife fuck? Put on. It li- I thought it was from 1983. I mean, it, but it's from 73. It's a year later. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. I thought for sure this motherfucker was in, on coke when he shot this. Well, you didn't watch the whole thing. And his, di- his directing was really rudimentary. I mean, the, the angles were uninteresting. The only thing, he had a good cast, you know, Robert Guillaume and, um, the other guy, the old, the old, uh, the Roscoe old Lee Brown. Guy. Yeah, Roscoe Dial Lee Brown. Track was a good. Classic, almost cult classic level actors, you know. Yeah. Um. But other than that, it just bored, bored the shit out of me. I didn't get to see the end of it. I need to, I need to watch the end of it. How'd you like least. him in the jockey outfit? Yeah, I don't think he caught that. I, I didn't get that far. Oh, it gets him. worse with his outfit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, For yeah. people that don't know the story, okay, we were going to review the entire Superfly series, like, when was it? A week ago? Two weeks ago? Something yeah. like that. And we had to cancel at the last minute. Well, at the point I was notified we were canceling, I was in the middle of watching Superfly's TNT. It was so fucking bad, I turned it off. I said, okay, I know I don't have to review it tonight. Now I can turn this shit off and do something else. <laughs> so Shut I turned it off. off. Yeah, I I think me and Dale both wish we could have shut this off. So, but we we had to, we had to soldier on through, and uh, but you didn't miss anything. But yeah, it's interesting you bring up that uh, he was coked up because he's constantly uh, sniffing and grabbing his nose throughout the film. So yeah, I'm pretty sure he either well because Priest was doing that a lot. Maybe it's a carryover or whatever. But yeah, man, this was ugh. yeah. Ron O'Neill was a, was is a classically trained actor. I mean, he did Shakespearean theater. That's one reason he could get center stage and carry that villain role. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm gonna put your wife out on a horse roll. Uh, I care, motherfucker. Get I, me my money. I think Dale Dale brought it up. What the fuck were they trying to get across with this? And I was like, my whole thought was, I don't fucking know. I don't know what the hell he was trying to portray with this film like what there was nothing i mean like because you get this african shit and i just i don't know it's it's a mess and it's not in a good way either it's in a bad way actually i brought up the point of the guy now you did watch the part where they blow up the convoy at the beginning and you get the blonde haired blue eyed fucking evil dude and what i said was that he should have been um he should have been like a holdover from World War II uh, Nazis hiding out in Africa, and it would have made it made more sense. And this could have been a, a, a Nazi exploitation, black exploitation crossover. And then you know you get these scenes where the dude's like going through his fucking closet, and there's the SS uniform hanging there, and you know what I mean he's got fucking he's got uh, SS ties still, and there's underground Nazi right, right, money right. he's funding his project and. Right. You know, he looked like he escaped from the fucking set of Ilsa. Fuck, she yeah. was ass. I mean, he did. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He could, he could have, he could have definitely easily been one of them sick, maniac, maniacal fucking generals. So, that I mean, made if, that movie good. There's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's an exploitation for title for you too. There, Superfly versus Ilsa. Superfly. Let's combine it all. Superfly. Superfly 
versus Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it, dude. I want to see Superfly. Well, if you put Ilsa in there, that gives you, you know, more of a conflict yeah. between these two characters. Plus, it lets you know Ilsa has big boobs. Here it if you is. Say Ilsa, that means huge and fucking titties. Well, well Ron O'Neill has hood. to like lick those titties up and stuff, and then he has to <laughs> kill her at the end. But like, here's the plot: he fucking Ron O'Neill sent on a mission into the heart of Germany. To uh, save the Jews or whatever, whatever, and uh, he's he paratroops in or whatever, and then that's that's the plot. That's the whole. That's that's the that's the layout. That's the hook. That's right. Someone make it. Comes Ilsa's lover, and once you go black, you never go back, even if you're a Nazi. (laughs) Oh shit! (laughs) It needs to be made. Strebo, get on it. <laughs> I don't know if I could do a black exploitation movie. One, maybe one day. I don't know. It's not in my sights. So it will eventually. It'll be like, hey, I'm this. I got this black exploitation script. Like, I knew it. It's the one we talked about, right? The Nazi crossover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll don't tell anybody until I patent it. Yeah, yeah. Copyright that script. Yeah. Um, yeah, so TNT wasn't so great. Superflies was awesome. Um, we also covered, uh, Land of the Deadites. Again, we'll post a link on, uh, I don't know if you're on with, if you're on board Land with that. Or, Deadites. That's a fan made, uh, Evil Dead documentary, uh, that was. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Tennessee and everything locally. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's, if you're a, uh, Evil Dead completist and you need everything, I think that it, uh, belongs in your collection. And it's only $2. It's 45 minutes long, so. Good, good, decent production, and, uh, he had some production art, and it had a, uh, it had um uh uh was it like a uh like a chapter insert card too as well which you don't see very much anymore so nice so guys check that out like I said we'll have a link for uh ordering information if anyone wants to track that down they're also on Facebook I guess you just type in uh Land of the Deadites and the Facebook page will come up um of course I want to thank uh Strebo for joining us and everybody get out Thanks, and check MiltonVille.com. You're on Facebook. Uh, you're on Twitter, dude. You're all over the fucking place. You got Mutant Radio. Uh, you're at. You're gonna be uh, at uh, the the upcoming Mad Monster, right? Again. Uh, yeah, Mad Monster Party in March coming this year. We've got uh, Bruce Campbell coming in. We've got Peter Chris from Kiss, uh, Kirk Hammett from Metallica. All three of those guys are only coming for one day, though. But then there's going to be, like, Gunnar Hansen, Linnea Quigley. They're having, like, a Night of the Demons reunion. There's all kinds of uh, crazy people. Mark Togel, the fucking (laughs) Toxic Avenger himself. That's so fucking scary. Uh, He's going to be there. Uh, It's going to be crazy. It's going to be good times. Last year was a lot of fun. You know, of course, MVP is going to be running the Mad Monster Party Film Festival. You know, we're already accepting submissions for that from all around the world. I've actually been contacted by foreign filmmakers this year so that should be interesting yeah next time we have Strebo on we'll have to get talks of tales of mutantville most definitely um shit i think we lost Strebo. i think we did (laughs) anyway anyway folks we're gonna tie it up Strebo fell over again he bumped his head he said he's had too many blue moons It's, it's like he'll come back and he'll be like totally He'll be totally business, and all of a sudden he'll just fucking pass out like fucking he's drinking moonshine and shit. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's like that when it gets late like this. But um, we're going to get a Christmas show rocking here um, probably around the end of the month of December. 
And uh, yeah, we're gonna try to keep we're gonna try to keep turning out episodes. Uh, stick with us, of course. I don't know exactly how it's gonna roll, but the, we will have something for you guys. And uh, Dale, you'll be along for the ride as usual, and uh, maybe some other some other uh, guests along the way. Who knows? We pull rabbits out of our hat. So yes, we have. How about Forty Second Street Pete? That was awesome on the Halloween 42nd show. Forty Second Street Pete, yeah, that was great having him on the Halloween show and everything. And uh, we'll see, we'll see what we can, we'll see what we can dig up and uh, we can throw out there. Uh, you know, we no promises. You never know what we'll bring, who we'll bring on. And uh, yeah, we'll rock it out. So, Dill, pick a song, roll us out. We can roll with it, whatever. Do you got a black exploitation track you want to play or something or? Anything? Anything? Yeah, we'll up? hit we'll hit one up. Maybe we'll some Curtis one. Mayfield. Okay, it doesn't even have you know what? It don't even have to be from Superfly. It can be just like a Curtis Mayfield track you really dig or something. I don't care. Whatever. Sounds it, good. Curtis Mayfield's running running wild on this episode. So. <laughs> yes, he is. We'll dedicate it to Scribo, who's not no longer with us. Mia, Mia, <laughs> he's he's been having some problems in the night. Definitely, he's he stole my fucking he stole my thunder fucking. Hardy's bathroom. What the fuck? Oh, there he is. He comes back before we we just get ready to roll it out. Almost, he comes back from the Hardy's bathroom. Why? We're on Twitter at MVP L A Y E R S. You can find us at mutantville.com. Sign up for the MVP newsletter. You can watch Mutitious Movie Morgue online for free. The entire first episode as she hosts Night of the Living Dead by George A. Romero, the godfather of modern horror himself. No matter what the fuck Corey G. from Beyond Behind the Mask Presents dot com says. There you go. <laughs> While you were gone, I was telling uh, Bat that we're going to have you back on for t- Tales from Mutantville. Talk oh, some nice, of that. Nice. Yeah. I know all about that show. <laughs> all about it. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Interesting. We we had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, Strebo, take take us out. Roll us, roll us, officially roll us out, then, since you're, you've returned from your drunken stupor. I, I, you switched over to Moonshine, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, man, we, we brew this shit out here in Bigfoot oh. country. <laughs> All right, Grease Fiends, you have been listening to the sleaziest, greasiest, treason-filled show on the internet. The one, the only exploited cinema with your host, Bat32, Delroy, and special guest, Strebo Rama. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Keep it greasy, fiends. You're going to work for me until I tell you to quit. You don't own me, pig, and no motherfucker tells me when I can split. Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? I'm talking to you, you redneck faggot.